Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, everybody, you may have heard by now because we've announced this on social media, but on September 24th, we are doing a live show at Flappers in L.A. Technically Burbank, though, right, Paige? Yes, L.A. adjacent with better parking and good food. Apparently they have good food. Mikey's promised to eat pasta on stage or and wings. Or wings. Whatever, yeah, whatever you guys or want. Or wings. I want wings for sure. pasta-covered wings. What about wing-covered pasta? You know what? We can workshop this later. We'll figure it out. Okay. But please, I've never been out that west. I'm excited about it. You can buy tickets on Flapper's website uh, through their calendar uh, for the 24th in September. Or if you want to go the link directly through through the link we'll be posting it on social media because it is flapperscomedy.com slash shows slash the dash horror dash version oh i saw the url as you were saying it and i already <laughs> yeah, exactly added it. i already added it to our link tree type service so if you go to any Perfect. of our social media and click on that link that you that we are allowed to have in our bio of social media you'll see live show tickets is the very first thing just click on that it'll take you right to it and we'll be periodically posting it on of social course. media so that you can catch it and see it. So watch all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. for links to buy tickets. There are a limited amount of tickets. This is slightly bigger than live shows we've done in the past, but we do still have a limited amount. So I would recommend buying them early yeah. and making plans. Also, it is at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. We did that so that if you had to drive from out of town, you might still have time to drive back in time for Monday the next day at work. Boom. So come see us September 24th at Flappers in L.A. It's going to be awesome. And yes, Mikey will be there. Yes. <laughs> the star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the episode. Hey, listeners, in this movie, two live pigs are killed on screen and we are forced to talk about it because it happens in the movie. If that bothers you, I completely understand because it bothered me when I watch it. it. Just avoid that section or maybe this whole episode. I apologize. It's just a part of the movie and we had to talk about it. It's a great episode, though. We have a lot of fun, but we'll see you on the other side of it. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Jay's Pack, Sex Caliber Bones a lot. James, Madeline, Sunzi, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Mr. Rage Bomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Taylor, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group where we hang out daily. Southern Comfort. There's no fridge here, so I can't keep anything cold. I have to constantly go get ice, and the only glasses are highball glasses. So it's like I feel fancy, but also annoyed. 
Mm. <laughs> Fancy but annoyed is how I live my life. I didn't drink the bottles of water in the hotel because they were $7 a piece. Really? You know who gives you free bottles of water? The fucking La Quinta Trash Inn. <laughs> 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 Hayes is an alcoholic. Do you see the way he just downed that whole glass of what I assume is vodka because it's in a highball? It's <laughs> <That's> water. <laughs> if you hear my glasses and ice clinking around in this episode, it's- that's because Paige is in such a fancy hotel. She's hired a bartender to sit in her room and make her drinks. <laughs> Paige went to Texas and turned into Hunter S. Paige. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies but you guys make me watch them and this week we watched Southern Southern Comfort Comfort. now Mikey I know this isn't the first time you've seen it because you love this movie right I do love this yeah I love it because well for many reasons one everybody's kind of an asshole so you just kind of watch and be like what are these assholes gonna do yeah and then like I think it's kind of a hidden horror gem where like we've watched maybe a hundred movies worse than this but no one's ever seen this film I mean we've done almost 300 movies so I would say There are probably a hundred of them that are worse than this, but yeah, this is not a very often talked about movie. No. Like I had never heard of it until you brought it up saying we should do it. Yeah, same. I like it because it's kind of like Deliverance, but like, I think it's a little bit more suspenseful because, well, unlike Deliverance where it's like a, are they really after them or not after them kind of like- no, you're right. I felt that way too in Deliverance. Schrodinger's redneck kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, this is more of like we're being hunted by this like otherworldly, like this culture that we have no idea about, and like they're pretty good at it, and we're like really incompetent. I, I feel like they weren't being hunted until they actively fired on them and we're like, oh, it's blanks. How are they supposed to fucking know that? Like, Paige, we are following the villains of the movie, the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we came all the way back around to the hillbillies being the villain or hillbillies being the heroes in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think think the conversation with the one they captured and let go is like the only moment because he he spent time with the group and he's like, look, you two are like the least shitheads of the shitheads. Yes. Yeah. So, just get out of here you were nice like you killed fred ward for me you know yeah exactly exactly. so like get get on out of here but like watching a whole group of like a whole squad of soldiers just break down immediately and all of the like and it like happened right after nom so i think it's kind of of like an allegory of like hey the army is not great kind of deal of like Mm, hey we go to we go to places we don't understand and try to do what we want to do and recite the manual when that's uh, not helpful. Uh, yes. Yes. And then the local population destroys us. I, I really do <laughs> think this is like a, okay, what happens when you take like a squad of guys, they commit crimes, and then they're <laughs> actually held to account for those crimes. And it's really about like sort of the breakdown of those men, not necessarily what's what they've done, but like the way they like start to turn on each other or just lose their mind, you know, all of that shit I thought was really, really cool. But I do think think like the movie sets them up as the bad guys more or less yeah and i do think it's trying to say some stuff about vietnam that i probably don't fully understand
understand because I was born way after that happened. But I think you're right. I think it is sort of like commentary on that time. And that's why they chose to set it in the bayou, like in the south. Not only that, it's made in 81 and set in 74. Yes. So like it's set yeah. even closer to like yeah. Vietnam time. And it's like, I think the acting's pretty good. But and, and, and like, I don't think there's a hero. I think the two main surviving guys are like the most normal yeah. of the guys. I do think they are the ones that aren't shitty, shitty soldiers. Right. And I don't even think they hate the Cajuns. They're just like, our fucking squad got us into this situation and yes. we have to get out. Yeah. And I will I will defend myself to get out, but they're like, fuck, I hate the army. I mean, Powers Booth kills a soldier to protect the Cajun. Like, yeah. I, I think yeah. that Powers Booth and the other guy, whatever his name was. Spencer. Spencer. Yeah, Spencer. I recognize Carradine. him from... Isn't he a Carradine brother? He yes. is. He's Keith Carradine. You're, I just looked it up. His name's Keith Carradine. Yeah, I've seen him in a bunch of other shit. But those two characters, Power Booth and Keith Carradine, are like Good soldiers. They're they're there doing what they're supposed to be doing, and everyone else loses their fucking mind. Well, they're not good. Like, Spencer's definitely not a good soldier. Yeah, they're bad soldiers, but they're good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess right. that's what I meant. Yeah. That, what <laughs> yeah. I like about their arcs is Spencer, you know, has the sex workers waiting for them. Yes. And then the other dude is married and happy, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? I just want to go home to my wife, yes. and I'm happy, Larry, and all this. But then, like, as all the shit goes down, they're like, hey, we're the only two people who might be sane in this situation. We yes, should probably right. stick together. Well, and there's yeah. they're sort of opposites in that way that yeah. do sort of glue themselves together because, hey, listen, everyone's losing their fucking mind. And we got Captain Sobel leading us through the bayou. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to figure this shit yeah. out. And I just think I just think it's an interesting movie because of that, because like it really doesn't say we're the heroes and it doesn't say the the by well it kind of implies that the the cajuns are more the heroes i think the movie does pretty much say that i yeah. think so and and I think it's an interesting way to watch. You're basically in a horror movie watching the villains go through like enemy, yeah. like like invading a territory. You are. That is what this is. And causing destruction on themselves by doing stupid stuff. I love horror movies where like the characters bring it on, bring yes. bring the the bad out. It's Tucker and Dale without Tucker and Dale. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, yeah, you're right. Stucky does fucky up here real bad and causes all of this. When he drowns in quicksand or whatever, I was like yeah good i was like oh he won't make it through the fire swamp great yeah <laughs> yes I, I honestly i think his death was too his death needed to be more vicious yeah uh, and, and i think it's like really funny but also not funny that i don't know man drowning like that that scares the shit that out of me man terrifying. like as you stare at an army helicopter think the army's gonna help you yeah. i was like oh look at the metaphor here <laughs> i mean good there luck, was no way for that helicopter to land like that i mean this this movie basically takes every moment from a every famous Vietnam movie and turns into a horror movie. So that was like his platoon moment. I'm like, <laughs> oh! He, he's like, he got his arms up as he's sinking. Into the <laughs> but, and then like, the only probably decent soldier was the sergeant and he gets killed immediately. Poole? Yeah, Sergeant Poole gets his head shot. Yeah. Because I think he would have like stopped the boats, went back and talked to him and like, okay, we've like if someone else got shot, he's like, we fired first. This is a misunderstanding. Yeah. We yeah. need to like go get the authorities and all like but like yeah. as soon as he's gone Everybody just goes into it just descends into madness. Yeah. Well, and it, it also very clearly positions them as like no one there is what I would call like a career soldier. Right. It's National Guard. Yeah, it's National Guard. So it's like other it's like, well, that guy coached football and now he is out to lunch. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that yeah. dude was like on the edge of a mental break when he went away for the two weeks of PT or whatever they have to do every yes. year or whatever. Like he, yeah. he has other shit going on in his life that's causing him to paint a red 
red cross on his chest. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because he goes up to our two main, I don't want to say main characters, I guess main characters, the two same people, and he's like, don't you get the reference? And they just look at each other like, we got to get the fuck out of here. No, we don't get the reference. I mean, I know what the cross symbolizes, but like, why would you put a Christian symbol on your chest and then blow up a shack? No, and he's like, I'm an avenging angel. And they're just like, they're like, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) I did not hate this movie. I thought it was interesting. Interesting. It was saying interesting things. Was it scary? Not really. No, not really. The most I like winced and hated it was when they kill pigs live on the screen in this movie. Same. That upset me quite a bit. I was like, <laughs> why did you do this? Although, I mean, and I realized because I, Paige, I'm sorry, I looked it up. I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy. Too. Yeah. So they they actually had an animal person on set, like from the I forget the name of the association. It's the one that's specifically for film yeah sure they had someone on set and it was done in accordance with the laws at that time it's just this has changed so you could no longer really do this yeah oh you would never be able to do this now they did it the way they were supposed to do it at the time they were quote killed humanely on set which is terrible that's not yeah, what I'm no, saying. No, thank you. But at least they went through the requirements at the time. You know, it wasn't like they did this in some other country so they could do it. Did they use a real Cajun village for that stuff? I don't know because I can't imagine it would be super expensive to set up like the five shacks that they have in that village. I think it's set up because he runs through like a maze. It looks really good. It looks authentic. The people look very authentic. And then the music was very authentic. I do think they were authentic. Yeah, like I think they just hired locals. Same. But like I don't think it's a village. Like yeah. I think they built the village. I don't even know if they hired them. I think it was like, hey, we'll throw you a party if y'all come over here and party. I mean, that is often what happens. <laughs> like, even today. The majority of that ending like montage of scenes is largely just like a Bayou Bash where they're grilling out two pigs. Like, it did look yeah. like a good time. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Music choice could have been turned up. Venue could have been a little nicer, but I, I sort of dug the vibe. Wow, you don't like the full Cajun French music? I actually don't mind it. So, like, I would probably <laughs> spend about 90 minutes there eating their pork and then bouncing. Yeah, as much as I did not want to see the pigs killed, I bet they tasted amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's a sad reality of being a conscious omnivore. <laughs> Yeah. As long as it's like alone and they thank the pig afterwards or whatever the fuck they're trying to do to oh, make it when, the, it, when that one pig went up to the other pig and shook it and then just screamed. No, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously will never watch alone again because that squirrel scene. Yeah, like, no thanks. Fuck, oh. that was brutal. Anyway, sorry. That's a that's a throwback to our last episode. I think I eat enough meat where I have to be like, for me to do this, someone's getting murdered, and I have to like come to terms with that. Wait, so like every burger you have, you have to murder someone. Someone to eat it? I think you're doing <laughs> meat eating wrong. Someone murdered that burger? No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like here's the thing: I don't have a problem with them killing the squirrel because they do need to survive, and that's a reality. Uh, although they did just apply to do it on a TV show, so they don't have to kill the squirrel. But you get it. What I don't love is the way <laughs> that they filmed it and shot it and exploited it on the TV show. <laughs> that seems my unnecessary. Part page. <laughs> yes. It's okay. Well, they did it to a beaver. The beaver got him. It made him so sick he had to he had to radio out. They call that the Beaver's Revenge, which honestly was a alternate title for the movie Teeth. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> East Ranger Beaver makes you sick. That's all I'm saying. So this was my first time seeing this movie. Yeah, mine too. I think I prefer Deliverance, personally. Oh, really? I think I prefer this. Deliverance is prettier. Like, it's a prettier venue, I guess. It's, it's a prettier venue. I think, for me, the pacing is just as bad. In this? In both movies. Oh, it is. Yeah, I think the pacing is pretty trash in this. This movie unfolds like a Tolkien book, where every <laughs> five to ten minutes we have to watch them walk for 20 minutes and it's maddening yeah it's not like anybody likes any of that Tolkien stuff <laughs> no but I mean like just watching people walk for way too long that's literally the entire first movie Paige I know that's like that's like fellowship the book is way worse about that yeah the You're book right. is way worse about it and, and I would criticize it in that movie too although I know that it's a source material issue but in this movie I was like between the amount of time that we watch them walking through terrain that looks the fucking same it is the same like and, the body looks like that yeah and the amount of time that the cajun party and killings within it takes was interminable like Paige, oh my god 100 i paused it when they got to the little bayou village if you will yes and <laughs> there was like 15 minutes left 18 minutes left to, yeah yeah it yes. was like right around there to the end of the movie i was like cool we have like maybe at most 10 minutes of movie left or 13 minutes and then of a movie ton left. of credits or yeah, something like that credits, yeah. right? no. so you're like okay no. it's not 20 much 20 minutes it of is. movie it's like the credits are like the last 20 seconds of it like it's the yes. whole 18 minutes where there doing almost nothing nothing and i do think they could have trimmed it down by about 20 well but like that, that's our our podcast i think main complaint about most movies we see i think now that we have to watch a lot of movies like this it's like hey trim that 20 minutes out of like needless transitions it, and like yes. just go yeah, see yeah, the yeah. scene here's the thing it's more than 20 minutes because it is at least 15 minutes of just that end scene could just go immediately gone including yeah. the pigs gone right if you cut down every time they're walking for no reason and no one has any lines no one sees anything they're just walking through the swamp the same ass swamp that we've seen them walk through four other times you would cut 40 minutes out of this movie <laughs> and it would be an hour long yeah because there's only literally an hour's worth of story that happens in this movie yeah i, I don't know if you can see my notes but it's way shorter than normal notes my notes <laughs> are yeah. 10 pages shorter than normal yeah but page it does have Lord of the Rings vibes, especially yes. when the Ents attack them for literally yes. no reason. I wrote that in my notes too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ends Here's the thing though. I do, I do like the correlation with Vietnam. I do think it's Me an too. accurate correlation. Yeah. I do think it, it plays out well. And I do like that we really are watching their incompetence be the villain. If yes. you want to think of it that way. I do. I do want to think of it that way, Paige. And not just incompetence, but like um, their lack of empathy for people who live there. Like carelessness yes. and lack of empathy. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think this movie should have had a resurgence during Iraq and Afghanistan. I would actually want to see a modern version of this is, mm -hmm. is what I think. I would 1000% watch a modern version of this set in like Arizona or some shit yes, like that. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of. Like, like Arizona, either with cartels or with something like, or just with locals just that locals, don't speak yeah. English, like whatever it is. What if they're doing army exercises and they like wander to a reservation and kill some indigenous and then they start hunting? Yes. Yes. I feel like if you did it today, 
it would be cut tighter. It would be cut a lot tighter. Yeah. There would be a little bit more because one of the other problems with this, and it's a problem with Deliverance too, is that we have gotten a lot better about sound mixing yes. editing dialogue. I know exactly what you're going to so say. So much better. And so, so much of this dialogue is missed. Like even if you have subtitles on, mm -hmm. it's all over the place and it's hard to understand why people are talking about stuff, who they're talking to. Yeah. It doesn't really fit. And I think if you did it today, it would be cut tighter. Your dialogue would be more impactful and you would get a lot more of who the characters are and why. Because when yeah. you hear them or when you're reading it, I do feel like those are the the shining parts of the movie, their interactions is what is when the movie kind of shines. Only some of them. I, I would say it's half and half because I think Powers Booth and Keith Carradine, yes. And th it's absolutely, they are your audience analog to the movie. Mm -hmm. They absolutely are. There you're in. But I like watching the other people losing it. Me too. That's that's the part of the movie I like. But there's a lot in this movie where we're not watching Powers Booth and Keith Carradine talk, and we're not watching yeah. the other the other people lose their minds. It's just like them walking and wondering. Well, but here's the other thing: when the other people are losing their minds, the dialogue is so scattered and so hard to hear and hard to follow. It's tough to invest as much as you do in Powers Booth and Keith Carradine, who, again, because they're your audience analog, you're aligned with them and you're like, yes, yeah, we're all together on this. You're like, you should kill, uh, you, you should kill Fred Ward. Um, but like what I think we would get modern day is a lot more of who the others are and probably typified stereotypes within them where like here's the kid who was raised hunting pro-gun super right wing yeah here's the kid who joined because he needed college money but maybe mm -hmm. isn't aligned with what this is and you would get mo a lot more of like who those people were and i think it would inform it a little bit more so like I would want to see a modern day version of this. I think I would I think like cool. a modern day version a lot better. Yeah. yeah. And I think if it was a bigger movie, we would have gotten it. I just think it's an interesting concept. Well, I mean, honestly, as a concept, we could just cut that and we could write the movie. And like, <laughs> it wouldn't be a quote unquote remake. It would just be a ripoff. Southeastern comfort. <laughs> Southwestern comfort. Southwestern. Yeah. Well, maybe we should go through this movie scene by scene. Sure. Let's do it. We open. In Louisiana, 1973, on a National Guard base, or rather the Louisiana National Guard. <laughs> yeah, which is probably ranked 48th or 49th in National Guards <laughs> yeah, behind <laughs> Mississippi and Alabama. This, the first 20 minutes of this movie are a lot about like, I disagree with the Louisiana. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't have any context. I don't know why anyone cares. But when you think about it in, in the sense of like, thinking about it from Vietnam points of view, it makes a lot more sense. So you're like, ah, uh, yes. But they're talking about shit like they can go be mercenaries in Latin America for 1300 a month or whatever. Like, yeah, whatever. That's honestly not a lot. That would be like $4,300 today. Like that's, I mean, that's not bad, but that's not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, but if you choose to just live down there, it goes <laughs> further. I'm sure that's true. You're right. But yes, initially I was, I kind of felt like I was like, why are they treating this like the real army? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, these guys are in the National Guard. They do have training and they're in that time where they're like playing as soldier to get more training to keep them like, you know, 
combat ready or whatever it's called. Yeah. And I also could not figure out why they were firing literally directly at people and nothing was happening. And it took me because no one has said anything no. until later that they were like shooting blanks. And I was like, why the fuck? And then I was like, why the fuck did we give them blanks? And then you see how crazy they get later. And you're like, that's why. <laughs> yeah, because the, like, the dude who's like the colonel of the National Guard's like, we'll never give them live ammunition. <laughs> yeah, fucking never. Until we like unleash them on a country. We're not doing that. Right. <laughs> well, and and I think that was the, the other part that I found confusing as well, because I am not a military person. I don't usually love war movies. So I couldn't figure out why they were taking all of this so seriously. <laughs> Just in general, where they're like, we're going to go on this thing and do that. And I was like, why? why? Because it's their job. Like, they are being paid to be there. Yeah, and, and that's the, and it, I was like, who the fuck cares about their job that much? Okay, so when it comes to training for, like, police officers, firefighters, the Army, and stuff like that, like, the more realistic you make it, the training. So, like, firefighters fight real fires. Sure, they, like, sure, they, like, sure. they light stuff on fire. And police, yeah. they have, like, blank rounds, too, and stuff like that. And then the Army, they send them out with blank rounds. They do maneuvers and stuff. Stress inoculation. So, like, when you actually get in there, you experience, like, what it is realistically so you can perform. And then also, like, the Army is a bit serious. Yeah. No, for sure. But the more realistic you act, if you ever get deployed, yeah. the, the better you the better you are. The better you perform, for sure. I think yeah. for me, and this is why they turn on Casper, and deservedly so, uh, because at a certain point in this movie, it becomes very clear that, like, oh, no, shit is real now, and uh, it, this is no longer army play. Like, now we got to, like, do it. And he's like, well, the manual says, and I'm just like, yes. fuck off. <laughs> like, I'll stab you to stay alive <laughs> if I need to. This is why I can't be in the armed services. Well, then he tries to keep them on. Yeah, well, yeah, he's trying to keep them on mission, but there's a time to abandon the mission. <laughs> And he does not do it. The time to abandon the mission is immediately. Like when, it, yes. when yes. Captain Poole or whatever his name was got shot, immediately yeah. we are walking back to base. We're not pushing through, you idiot. That's why I called him Captain Sobel the whole time. He's so stupid, yeah. He's like, we'll just do the mission. I'm like, and the other guys are like, let's go to the highway yeah. and get help. Yes. Yeah. And I get the whole, I think the more realistic argument was like abandoning the body or not. Absolutely abandon the body. <laughs> hey, if I somehow have a stroke and decide to go out into the woods with you guys and die, leave my body and find safety. I'm telling you now, I won't be sad about it. <laughs> Me either. Like, I would prefer you get safe yeah, and absolutely. then send Proper authorities to recover me. Yep. If I'm leaving a body for people to come back and find it later, I'm definitely not burying it there because that's such a waste of calories. Yes. <laughs> man, you watch alone and like study it, no, man. <laughs> I, Todd, I felt the same way when they were burying people and I was like, guys, you are in danger. And they're like, we're out of daylight. And I'm like, idiots. Keep moving. Yeah. It is the fucking swamp. They are gone. They are dead. Maybe we just have empty coffins. Either way, we got to get back alive. Yeah. There's one big thing missing from this movie, and that is gators. Yeah. Gators, motherfucker. Like, as dangerous as the Cajuns. And they're definitely going to need, you know, legal help when they get out of here. So they're going to need that gator lawyer. That litigator. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> we hadn't even gotten to that point. They're still on the base. This is their attempt to get every, to give an introduction to everyone, and it doesn't help you at all. <laughs> like, you're like... I didn't catch anyone's names. I got excited that Nalls from The Thing was in this and yeah. I completely <laughs> lost the track. And then you hear a couple of drops of the N-word and you're like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, no. 
I ooh, I can't tell if I should have been listening closer or not listening closer. <laughs> and the thing about it is it's like casual. It's not like yeah. they're yelling at somebody. Not that it's ever okay to use it. It's just right. weird to hear it used so casually. At him. Yes. And and to not have him slap that person senseless. Oh, so it's yeah. like it's definitely like Times have changed. Good. Good yeah. for times. It was one of those <laughs> moments for, for me. Times. I was like, oh, this would never fly today. But I mean, like, I don't know what happens in the Army or the National Guard and stuff. But I, I hear that they use a lot of colorful language. And that's a really downplaying of that. I Yeah, I ooh, don't like it. Oh, I do like when Spencer in this moment, because this is where you find out kind of why Spencer is not super a fan of the Army, where he's like, Oh, yeah. No, they're just training us so that we can beat up on college kids and tear gas people of color. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that is what it is. But at the time, he, you know, he's very realistic of, like, what the army is in America in 1974. Well, and the yeah. National Guard, man. That was, yeah. like, the National Guard was who attacked the uh, protesters at that Republican National Convention in Chicago. Well, I love a healthy cynicism in a soldier. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, that's yeah. Definitely. Let's not forget that the National Guard was not great to protesters in 2020. Yeah. When George Floyd died. So, like, it's not like it's a a fixed problem. (laughs) No, (laughs) I mean, it seems like it's a national institution of oppression. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, you know, even if you're like Spencer, where you're like, fuck this. Like, if you don't follow your orders, you're arrested and thrown in jail for a very long time. Yeah. And, and and don't follow your orders in in a situation in which your orders are counterintuitive, yeah. dangerous, mm-hmm. and could get people killed. Because when Spencer is not wanting to follow orders later in this movie, it's not just because he's a fucking hotshot. He's like, we're going to die. And I want to try and have the right. least amount of us die as possible. Yeah. Because this mission is fucking fake. Yes. And we just need to live. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, when war games become actual war, if you're not prepared for actual war, you just have to get the fuck out of there. Right. And I like the allegory of like, Vietnam of being like okay one guy's like this is kind of bullshit and I'm just gonna go along with it and then then eventually the other guy's like I'm gonna get out of here no matter what I don't give a fuck about anything anymore (laughs) except living and going home yeah I will kill anybody to get (laughs) out of here basically fuck the orders if the sergeant doesn't care about my life I'm not doing it (laughs) <laughs> and, and again, this is why I can't be in the armed services at all, because that's me day one. <laughs> Where I'm like, nope, I've got too strong a sense of survival. Yeah, I will run. I, I don't care. I'm too selfish to join the armed services. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that, I was honest with myself when I was younger. I was like, I'm never going to be able to do that. So I just won't. Oh, yeah. here's why this works more, because in Nam, they were like they were trapped them- yeah. 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 Because yeah, if you were rich, you didn't have to do it. And so you, yeah, you'd be over there like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which for the record is the same way it is now. It's just that. Yeah. It's no different. Yeah. It's, no different. it's instead of a draft, it's if anyone ever wants to move a social class, a lot of them have to go into the armed services and kill people or potentially die themselves to be able to go to college to then elevate themselves out of it, the lower social class. Or you could join the Coast Guard. Oh, that's <laughs> a real rich guy move though because that's like george bush did that right like yeah it's the yacht of the armed services um a guy i went to high school so i so i graduated from high school just a couple years out of 9-11 so after 9-11 so like a ton of the people i went to high school went into the armed services because same a money b patriotism patriotism yeah 9-11 man yeah and so 
it was really funny coming back from the 10 year reunion and running into the one guy who joined the Coast Guard who's like, yeah, I work with computers now. It's pretty nice. I've got a like size of retirement. We just bought a house. <laughs> I was just like, oh, all right. <laughs> I see how it is. Coast Guard's where it's at. Yeah. Oh, none of the other armed services guys showed up. <laughs> they were just they're either still in or they're like, yeah, I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. But like where we are in the plot, this is where we learn. Like the very beginning of the movie, this is where we learned that Stucky is an idiot psychopath. Yes. Because even at the base, he turns with his like M60 machine gun and shoots at other soldiers. And this is yes. where we learn that they are blanks. And he is doing right. a quote unquote joke question mark. Toxic masculinity is not a great thing. <laughs> As we've learned from Alec Baldwin, A, never assume they're blanks. Uh, B, don't point guns at people you don't intend to shoot. Exactly. That's trigger discipline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and hey, also, you should also not have live rounds in prop on guns in general on a set. You should never. All of the John Wick movies, zero of them have real guns on set. Yeah, none of them. You don't need it. You don't need it. But also, if you are dealing with real guns... A, it's impossible for someone to know if you're shooting blanks before you do. Right. B, that's fucking terrifying. You should treat every gun as if it could kill you uh, because they can most of the time. So to fake people out like this is irresponsible at best. I would have walked over there and gotten my ass beat because I would have punched him right in the face and that would not yes. have gone well for a small guy like me. But yeah. that is someone who deserves being punched in the face and honestly kicked out of the military for fucking ever. Like that is yeah. such a blatant disregard for like what we're there to do. I was right. like, oh, they still let this sociopath go on the yes. trip with them? Like what yes. is wrong with the <laughs> National Guard in this movie? Movie. He's in their squad. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, National Guard is like, it's not even army. It's like the level below. You know, it's like, are they not a part of the army? And I, I, I don't know. I'm, I have no idea. So the regular army is a national force. Yes. Where you join up your station places it's like you're in for two years that kind of thing so the national guard is like the state level yes. force that reports to the governor which which the federal government can call up to deploy yes. a national guard unit but also the governor can also deploy it in its own state if it needs to i think and that's typically how it gets used to suppress protests yes is the governor is like hey we don't want women to have full rights so go beat up those people who are protesting for that in the iraq yeah, yeah, yeah. and afghanistan war they did deploy some out yes. overseas and stuff because they needed soldiers. But really, it's like you have a full-time job. It's like two weeks a year you get deployed. Your job can't fire you when you're deployed, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they're not as regulated and well-trained. Like, if you remember Generation Kill, did you guys watch that? I did, yeah. When they ran into the National Guard unit. Yes. And they were like, oh, those those are the, those are very, that's bad people. That's not good. Yeah. Weekend warriors. So this this was a huge thing in, in Los Angeles and in, in during pandemic when there were protests where people turned on the mayor for calling the national guard they were like how fucking dare you <laughs> like it, and then people protested the fact that they had called the national guard Good. <laughs> uh yeah, it's that's how we do uh yeah. but it, it was because of that it was because you know the protests were about police brutality yeah and a lack of oversight into the basically militarized force at this point that's supposed to be protecting and serving and is not and is in fact causing harm. And now you've called in 
weekend warriors with even less training who are going to cause more harm. Well, and then also the army is built to just cause harm. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> but it's like for the crime of protesting, you've given your citizenry the five star level in Grand Theft Auto. Like that's an overreaction <laughs> to a protest. Yes. Anyway, but this is where we realize Stucky's a fucking idiot. And then we sort of go yes. about the training mission that they're going on. And we also got to think about states. So not only does each state have its National Guard, some states are worse than others. And yes. I, you know, generally the ones that rank last are like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that typically rank last in education. Well, yeah. Okay. Th- but this is also. We can't dig too far into this. It's going to take forever. It's a class issue as well. It is. Because states that have more money that are air quotes donor states have more resources at their disposal than states that are maybe constantly receiving federal aid because they don't generate enough funds on their own to fund those programs, which creates a disparate uh, like a disparate levels of support for those services across the country. Yeah. Very complicated. We can't talk about it all day. <laughs> it would take forever. Yeah. All that to say that Louisiana National Guard 1974 is like, let's make dumb grunts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, and they, they say that in this movie a bunch where he's like, these people are not trained because they've got somebody from Texas. And so at this point, him coming from Texas that probably had a pretty robust National Guard, I would say, he's looking at these people like, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah. This is, what did I get myself into? Yeah, that's Powers Booth character. Yeah, he is very skeptical yeah. of this crew very early on. Immediately, yeah. yeah. He's like, that psycho just shot blanks at people and you're letting yes. them come with us. You guys yes. suck at National Guarding. Well, yes. I liked his conversation with Spencer on this time where he's like, what do you think? He's like, dumb rednecks or dumb rednecks, Tennessee or Louisiana. I mean, uh, Texas, Louisiana. He's like, I've yeah. dealt with their kind before. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he raises concerns along the way where he's like, I've dealt with these kind, but they don't usually put them in charge. Uh, wh- yes. uh, what? <laughs> and we do find they're going like, I think it was 38 kilometers. 38 kilometers. That's almost a marathon. That's 23.6 miles. I looked it up. So like that, that's a long hike with like, military gear through the like yeah. the water bayou you know yeah well it's not supposed to be the water bayou right but it is i mean it, it real realistically it becomes that so like th- they're trying to go a very far distance well l- let's dig into it because they we immediately jump into the mission and they're walking yes. and walking and walking and their sergeant gets to a point where there's water where there shouldn't be so he's like either the map is wrong or I don't know where I'm going. Either way, something has gone wrong and there's water where it shouldn't be. And he basically says that the rain that they got may have flooded this portion. Yeah. And it's so, it's so deep that they cannot cross. They can't walk across. Now, at that point, he sends a few people down the the river, if you want to call it that. Yeah, down like the water's edge. Right. But as they're doing that, because he does say he's like, either they can find a place to cross or we have to turn around and go back because that is... That's what you should do, yeah. basically. And this guy's been—he's like a decorated soldier. Like yes. he was—he's got like a like a bronze star, and he was a Vietnam vet. He was in Nam. They yeah. actually talk about yes, it. but he is just a staff sergeant, right? I think he's just a staff sergeant. But here's what I appreciate about him: because he's like, yeah, if we can't cross, we got to go back. And basically, this is a fake mission anyway. Yeah, so like I mean, that's what we'll it was like. Back. He was like, we got <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. either I don't know what I'm doing. 
or we hit something on the map that's not there because you know the water shifted or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is. Yeah. And so we're gonna go back and figure that out because like at the end of the day, like no one's gonna die if we don't do the mission correctly, right? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. so like I think exactly. I think the staff sergeant had he lived would have resolved the all the issues in this movie. Yeah, I think I think he would have just taken them home. But what happens is they find canoes, abandoned yeah. canoes. Well, and the boys are all jacked up with the promise of sex workers. Well, you yes. know how that happens. Hey, I mean, yeah. You I know mean, what? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> a bunch of them hop into the canoes and the sergeant initially is like, ah, we mm, maybe probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. But they agree to leave a note, just like Gene Parmesan said. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do run into that one-armed guy in a, a little bit in this movie. So like, yeah, he really does drive the, the point home. I mean, my favorite scene is when they're yelling, we left the note. I did think that was hilarious. Left a note to people who clearly don't speak English. Uh, and of course they speak English. Like we do find out at the very end, at least that Later. one does yeah, speak yeah, yeah. English. They speak some English. Yeah. Yes. So like they, they probably heard what they were saying. And like, I think it would have been fine had Stucky not then shot yes. at them yes. with his M60 machine oh, yes. gun. Because again, and I feel like a lot of people who think they're funny but aren't funny aren't funny because they don't know that the person receiving the quote joke has to have the context to understand the punchline. So Stucky in his mind is making a joke by shooting blanks at them, but they have no way to know that they're blanks. So they think that they're being fired on. He's being shot at. Yes. And this is, this again, you hit the nail on the head. This goes for any joke. Yes. So I get somewhere between 20 and 100 at minimum a day dms of memes and i maybe understand seven of them right uh like yeah where, where it's just like here's the thing and i'm like i don't i don't know why you're sending this to me i don't know what the context is if it's something that like i talked about on a show i get that like obviously sure but, because like, you said that you have context for I it. Said yes. it i have context for it yeah but I get so many just random ones where people were just like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. And so I can't respond or whatever. But that's these people, except it's bullets. Bullets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the worst thing that happens to me is I just like keep scrolling. But like these people, bullets. Bullets, baby. So many bullets. Yes. Now I'll give it to them. It was funny to see him die for a second. But then like, you know, <laughs> they also had guns. Yeah. yeah well, and, and they had real guns. And that's the other thing, too, because I'm like, I, I don't know why he thought people would realize it was blanks. Obviously, if he hadn't shot, I suspect that the sergeant would have taken one of those canoes, the one he was in, over to them and been like, hey, we just need to use these to get across. Does one of you want, or a couple of you want to come with us to row the canoes back? Like- exactly. We will pay you for your time. That kind of shit. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, I do think had the staff sergeant lived because Stucky didn't fire at them, then right. the, he would have resolved the situation and it would have been fine. Because the staff sergeant does seem, and he's not in the movie very much, but he does seem very competent. Like, to the point where when he gets to that the bayou, lake area, when he's like, hey, either I can't read a map or the water shifted, I believe the water shifted. I think he right. can read a map. You know, like he seems very competent. I also think he would have resolved it if someone else got shot. I think he would have like held yes. up his yes. hands Same. and went over there and been yes. like, they fired blanks. We are so sorry. I think that would have escalated the issue to the point where they have to stop the mission. Yeah. But 
Yes, I like. I don't think that they would have then ferried them over to the other side of the Bayou Lake area thing. They would have gone no, over I there and just like, okay, we need to go to the authorities. He fired blanks at you. You shot back and killed one of our men. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah, and then it would get released in the papers and on TV that mm-hmm. uh, you know Private Stucky was killed in a friendly fire accident. Is what they would call this Private Stucky Court Marshal for firing yeah, a gun at civilians. Yeah, well, that's yeah, what it exactly. should be. I, in my mind, it was that he he was the one that got killed. Never. It's probably somebody else it was powers booth oh fucking love His powers head is a booth full rectangle powers booth has the best name of any actor i've ever heard he does he also looks like if sam the eagle was a person uh like <laughs> like the shit. muppet puppet yes. like if he was a person wait i have a question how old do you think he is in this movie Ooh. powers booth that is i gotta say he's in his 40s in this movie mikey how old do you think powers booth is in this movie 34, 35. Damn, Mikey's guess was closer. He's 33. But uh-huh. holy shit, he looks terrible. He does. Oh my That's god. That's why I'm I so said sorry. that. Because I was like, holy shit, a 50-year-old Powers Booth is out here running around in these woods. And it wasn't. It was a 33-year-old 50-looking Powers Booth running around in these woods. Let me tell you, I went to my 20-year reunion, okay? Yeah. Like most people who are 35 look about 50 at this if you have a ton of like weird choices in your life that's all i'm saying yeah no that's absolutely true it's wild though because he looks like he did in the movie frailty to me in this movie (laughs) and that movie was like mid to late 90s (laughs) look some people just come out the womb looking old as fuck and he may be one of those he might be one of those steve martin has been old steve martin for like 54 years do you guys know who paula pell is yes she has looked like a 45 year old woman for 20 years 40 years yeah Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I love her. She's so great. And She's like, wonderful. if you don't know her name, if you saw her, you'd be like, oh, I recognize her. Not not only would you be like, oh, I recognize her. You need you should know that she has written every funny thing you've loved. Yes. For the last 20 years. Yeah. It's crazy. She's, uh, she was in uh, Girls 5 Eva, which is I one of my favorite <laughs> recent TV I love shows. Um, anyway, so she's great, but she has always looked 50. So maybe she's the woman version of Powers Booth today. Yeah, she and Tina Fey are about the same age and look 20 years different. Yeah, I just looked it up. She's actually 60. Paula Pell's actually 60. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't think she looks 60. I think she looks like 45, no. 50. She looks like 40. Yeah, but she's always looked 45, 50. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so if, you, if you're one of those people that just came out of the womb looking old, then Powers Booth motherfuckers, you just have to stay <laughs> looking that age until you're past that age. Yeah, and then, yeah. then you're then good. Then you win on the other side. Mm-hmm. But Powers Booth and like, um, you know, Paula Pell, you're in good company. Yeah, oh, Yes. Yeah. Hey, Powers Booth ended up looking like the dad from Powerpuff Girls because he just stays being a full <laughs> rectangle for his entire life. There's worse. What? There's worse looks. There are. There are worse looks. Sam the Eagle, very distinguished. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta move on. <laughs> Wait, did the sergeant get shot yet? Or what are we talking about? Yes. Yeah, the sergeant just got shot. Do you think they designed Sam the Eagle after Powers Booth's head? They should have. Yes. I just hate that his great great grandfather killed Lincoln. <laughs> John Wilkes? Actually, John Wilkes, he had a second middle name. It was John Wilkes Powers Booth. Like, he's named after... John Wilkes Booth is his full name. John Wilkes Max Powers Booth. (laughs) No, I know, Mikey, he is a booth. You're right. He might be related. They may very well be related because the booths were actors. I know, I was going to say, he's in the family business. The booth family business. Nepo baby. Nepo baby. (laughs) This brings me to my theory that Kennedy was killed by Powers Booth. Like, he was around at the time. 
Oh. It was on the grassy knoll. It runs in the family to be president assassinators. Like, come on. Better question. Do you think Powers Booth's mom survived the childbirth? Because his head has full corners. <laughs> I just think she has a very square vagina. <laughs> she's, she's part wombat. Don't worry about it. You open her legs and it's like one of those... Uh, <laughs> those shape things. Those Play-Doh shape things. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Why did our brains go to the same place? <laughs> anyway, uh, the sergeant gets shot and they immediately tip all the canoes. Oh, they fucking panic. No. Way worse than deliverance where they're like, okay, everybody dive off. Yep. Yeah. Which means that now they don't have a map or a radio and all their guns are waterlogged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Uh, anyway, they all end up on the other shore and Fred Ward is like I'm gonna go check some shit out because Fred Ward is another one of those people who has looked old forever and has looked like a mercenary for his entire life yeah I love yeah. Fred Ward he's Same. not great in this movie but I also this is a bad haircut for Fred Ward because with a good haircut I'm into Fred Ward I get it oh Fred Ward's awesome like Fred Ward from Tremors page yeah uh yeah maybe yeah. a little bit yeah. yeah I also like yeah. Fred Ward in like an evil kind of character Vibe. Yeah, this is like a change of pace. He does a, a great, great job villain. in this. Yeah. yeah, he's a great actor. I honestly, I feel like they kind of shot their shot a little early on the on his plot line. I think they, that should have. Yeah. I think that should have been more towards the end of them killing Fred Ward. I mean, he really could have been a much more imposing, scary figure much longer yeah. than he was because he only really gets to full like super psycho Saiyan like right before he dies. We don't get any yes. dread from him being fully crazy well and what i want from him is, is so you know how sometimes there are famous people and then a younger famous person comes up that looks kind of like them and you're just like clones like the margot robbies yeah exactly yeah john bernthal oh he does have a fred well, Ward he does. and what i want is john bernthal from walking dead as shane where it, it's that creeping dread of like i need to be in control I yeah. make the decisions. I and that's what I wanted from Fred Ward in this because he doesn't really make a play to be the leader. He is just kind of like a wild card through most of this movie. But I think if he had made a play to be the leader, it would have really div divided the group, and that would have been very scary. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, he would have been uh, Marsha Gay Harden in the grocery store. Yes. <laughs> like that—that's what we would have gotten. Yeah, and it's Fred Ward, so like you know, always give him more screen time. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, Fred Ward goes, and he immediately like gets all of the blanks out of his gun refills his magazine with live ammunition because he brought live ammo with him which i'm sure they're not allowed to do but who cares no. <laughs> yeah chambers around and he's like ready to shoot people and you're like oh no but he comes back and he's like yeah i couldn't find them and now casper uh is in charge yeah casper's the i think he's a sergeant but he's he was the one that was directly reporting to the staff sergeant right and because he's quote got the stripes and he's like well we're just gonna finish the mission and i was like i'm sorry someone dead. This mission was fake to begin with, and now it's definitely over. Oh, yeah. And not just Paige said that. Half of the soldiers were like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely just leave. I'd be like, no, we're not continuing the mission. Yeah. The staff sergeant's dead. This is a training exercise. We're going back to base. Shut the fuck up, Casper. Yeah. And everyone is mad at Stucky because he's like, it was a joke. And it's like, how would they know? How would they know? Like, Yeah. But Stucky is doing that like bully thing when they get in trouble. He's like, no, it was just jokes. I was just, it was a prank, bro. He went too far. Yeah. Anyway, they decide that they're going to continue and thus begins the Tolkienness of this film. Yeah. Walking, walking, 
more walking. And we're getting conversations between like coach who is about to go crazy and <laughs> coach is fucking nuts. Yeah, coach yeah. is insane. I like coach's unhingedness. I wish we'd gotten more crazy shit from coach because at Me a certain too. point he goes catatonic and I was like, aw. We get shit like him talking to, I can't remember his name in the movie, but it's TK Carter. Yeah. About like their high school teams or whatever and like yeah. TK is like, hey, I, I make most of my money selling weed to high school students and then the guy's like, which you better not. It's like, it's shit like that. It's so, I hated that. Yeah. I hated that because I was like, either this is an attempt at a subversive joke for TK Carter to be like, this is what you think of me. Yes. I tend to think it's not because this movie came out in 1981. Yeah, yeah. because this movie came out in 81. Instead, it is stereotyping the one character of color as a as both a drug dealer and a pimp who then just joined the national guard for some reason i was like do they give you two weeks off pimping aren't there two people of color in the squad i am not sure about the other yeah one. franklin seals is uh the other gentleman of color that is but i don't know i don't know what race he is i feel weird talking about it honestly like it's not established in the movie let's put it that way where where tk carter is othered because of his race Yes. And and the other soldier is not. So the movie makes a point of talking about TK Carter's race, which again, I think the way that the squad treats him is also goes back to like the the Vietnam allegory yeah. of like that's how they treated a lot of grunts of people of color of like you you run point and he's like what the fuck yeah like, when we get there but like you know i feel like his he is treated like yeah, that. Yeah 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 cuz they're like we're willing to let you get shot cuz to mm-hmm. us, you matter the least. Yeah. Yes. So I just well, looked yeah. it up. Franklin Seals is English, Scottish, African, Portuguese, and Native Caribbean uh, descent. So he he is mixed. That was my second guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in Louisiana, that that could represent someone who is Creole. Yes, mm-hmm. but they they don't talk about they it. Don't. The soldiers don't talk about it. Yeah. so we don't know for sure. But I'm I'm very glad I was just able to access Franklin Sears twenty three and Me. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's one of those things where knowing that the movie was trying to be allegorical to Vietnam, I think there's some debate about like, are they doing this to make a point, or is it just the eighties? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they're trying to make a point because it's not well written I guess or maybe just not telegraphed in a way that I with my modern day sensibilities would understand I felt like he was being sarcastic but like I've been fucking with the other guys I I felt like if this was written today it would be more telegraphed that he was being sarcastic and being like this is what you think of me like this is what you expect of someone like me whether it is true or not. But this movie's not as clear about Yeah, I wish TK had delivered those lines more sarcastically, I think, because I... I I read them as sarcastic. I didn't. I wish I did, though, because I didn't like that part. (laughs) I did. Here's the thing. I still didn't like it. Yeah. It's It's not as clear. But I do think TK's delivery... He really leans into a, like a vocal affect that we do not see him use for the rest of the movie, really. We don't. You're right. Okay. He leans into mm-hmm. it. And I and I think in some ways that's him being like, oh, so you you came to A, confront the black guy about smoking weed, which first of all, people have died. Everyone could use some weed right now. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to ask me what I do and the assumption would be this, even though that is completely unrealistic given where I am right now like yeah clearly this is my job well and it's sort of making 
making fun of the coach because his team was like three and eight or whatever. Yes. And uh, when he's talking about the the students he sells to at whatever high school he mentions, he was like, "Yeah, they went ten and zero, baby." <laughs> <laughs> I so do like, love that. I mean, <laughs> that did make me laugh really hard. he is sort yeah. of fucking with coach, which I do sort of like. That's why I like Dauber so much. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I'm probably going to cut this section, which is why I paused before I started talking about it. Do you think they don't treat Franklin's soldier character in this movie as poorly as they treat TK's yes. soldier in this movie because TK is darker than Franklin yes. is? Yes, I, I, I definitely I think, think that. I got and that I think, vibe, too. I, I think and it's more... And I think you can leave this in, Todd. Okay, I think, I think it's you can leave it in. very clearly demonstrated in the film. I think so and too. I, like I think they're pointing that out. And yeah. it mostly comes from the the by the book sergeant who's now in command represents the incompetence and yet unflexibility and also biasness of like the army machine or whatever. And I think he's the one who leads a lot of that way of like you you take point, don't argue or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think so. Okay. We haven't quite seen that yet, but it happens throughout the whole movie more or less. We have kind of seen it. We we kind of glossed over it because we jumped into the mission. But when he's establishing who's going to do the mission, everyone else is commenting and laughing about the mission. I forget I forget his character's name. I want to call him Nalls because that's his character in the thing. But TK Carter, uh, yeah. he makes a comment. Everyone else is. He's not out of line. And the sergeant is like, great. So you set the pace. Like you take yes, point. I, yeah, You're I in front. That. Yeah. Like he gets punished for something that somebody else, everybody else is doing. Yeah. And so it's from from Jump Street. He is othered and frequently referred to as the N-word yes, in he, this movie. He specifically mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yes. Which I, I think we should be clear. This is all terrible either way. Like we're not yeah. saying this sort of thing is okay. No. It's terrible. It was just interesting to me that they the question of, are treating Franklin better than they treat TK. They do. I think it is intentional. I think it's definitely written as a Vietnam allegory intentionally. Yeah, yeah. I th- Well, I think the question is, is this intentional to show how bad it was? Or is this intentional at the time to align with how bad it was? And I think that's that's kind of the difference. You know, is it them saying this is terrible? This is how people were treated? Sure. Potentially, I think you could make an argument for that. Or is it them being like, well, this is how it would be, you know, so. <laughs> so what you're saying is, were they doing this to be sort of woke, if you will, for the time? Or were they right. doing this because this is just the way it was done at the time? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, That's those, my question. Those are two very different things. And, and, and I can't I speak for know. the 80s. I wasn't alive for the, the, a lot of them. So I want to be optimistic and think because of the nuanced allegory that they are being purposeful on this. Sure. I think there are other things that might suggest that. And I do look at the performance where he does take on that affect as maybe sarcasm, but it's not fully clear. And I think part of that is because of how badly the dialogue suffers from the way that it's shot yeah. and edited. Yes. And I think if we had it clearer, we might have a more clear sense of that. Do you yeah. think it's mixed so bad because they shot it all in a swamp and there's a lot yes. of like background noise and they yeah. had to like really try to mix it well and they just couldn't do it? Yeah, it's the same reason that Deliverance sounds the yes. way it does. it's the same problem. Yeah. yeah, it literally at the time would have been so difficult to capture sound at that location that is not yes. littered with water sounds of them stepping in the water and then like just indigenous uh, like wildlife around you know and just sounds you get in the bayou like you can't get clean audio that way i do like this film if it truly is as i hate to use the word woke for it but i want to say uh referential if if it truly is as referential as it allegedly is like making commentary on how bad it was and making commentary 
then yes, I can't believe this was made in the 80s. That's crazy amazing. And I think so because his first draft, it was a play. Interesting. Okay. okay. That actually makes sense uh, if you think about it because you could do all of this on a stage. Mm-hmm. Well, and you could do all this on a stage. There wouldn't be as much Tolkien walking. It would be more conversational yeah. and those conversations would be more important and hold more weight. And you could control the audio so you could definitely hear and all the words. And you could control the audio. Yeah. yeah. And I bet there's more dialogue in the play that gets lost in the movie. Mm-hmm. Probably. Because that always happens play to film. Anyway, Fred Ward gets back and they're like, hey, you got real bullets, right? And he's like, okay, fine. And is pressured into giving them out by Powers Booth, almost slitting his throat. Yeah, I mean, he does stand up to the sergeant who I've been calling Captain Sobel because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But Fred Ward is about to like shoot the sergeant. And that's when Powers Booth comes up and like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Sam the Eagle comes up and like holds that knife to his neck. It's like, give us the bullets, right? Idiot. And I agree with him. Like they should have split the bullets up between everybody fully agree yes just because one person can't shoot at nine people but eight people can hold down nine people you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. you have more chance to protect yourself if more people have the bullets right although we will find out because they are badly trained it doesn't matter (laughs) well for a lot of them it doesn't matter yeah they all waste the bullet yeah because they they panic the only two who don't panic are our joker and our uh you know eagle yeah exactly (laughs) you're talking about spencer or keith carradine right and Powers Booth, yeah. Yeah. So night falls and they've been carrying the body. Yes. And so they've dispersed the bullets. They've been carrying the body, which is, of course, slowing them down. I don't leave the body. I mean, I would have left the body and marched directly my ass back to base. Yeah. Absolutely. And been like, hey, uh, our staff sergeant got shot because Stucky's a fucking moron. Can you guys uh, come help us get the body? Yeah. And so they're playing cards and there's this whole thing of like, well, how can you play cards with his body over there? And they're like, he's dead. It doesn't, we should have left him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. That's Sims who was like, how can you do that while he's laying there dead? Right. Yeah. It doesn't seem right. <laughs> Sims is like, he's not there. It's just his body. Yeah. Well, no, Sims is the one who's saying that it's Keith yeah. that said, uh, Keith Carradine who says, um, yeah, he's dead. He's not going to care. Don't fucking worry about it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No sex worker for you when we get to base. <laughs> But we cut to the next day. They get up and they're walking and a group of them find a cabin. Yeah. Of course, at the cabin, they find the one armed man who definitely did it. He killed Richard Kimball's wife. When I, okay. So when I when I was writing in my notes after the cabin blew up, I literally wrote in all caps in my notes. That's for Richard Kimball's wife, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the, the part to me that is so funny about the one armed man is they aggressively do not try to hide that that man has two arms. Oh, you yeah. can very much see that he has an arm tucked in his coat well he's he's a famous actor he's been in a ton of other things you yeah. mean like, the famous two-armed actor yes i think his name is byron james i believe i think that was him uh, it is that is byron james he's yeah. from hill he's in the hills have eyes and all a bunch of stuff he's yeah. in a ton of yeah stuff. he like, is a famous two-armed man yes but they're like just put him in big jackets and like tuck his left arm inside the jacket it'll be fine and well, and here's the thing. There are good one-armed actors, and there were good one-armed actors at the time. I'm sure. I know, because yeah. there's one in Twin Peaks not long after this. So, like, 
you know. And Byron James did a great job in this, but also his him only having one arm is not a story point. Exactly. Like it just seemed like it's, it's weird really an odd choice. That they made that choice. <laughs> yeah, because it, it doesn't impede him or anything. No. The one thing I will say is it's very difficult to fire a large gun with one arm, as evidenced in T2 Judgment Day. Yeah. As evidenced in this film. Yeah. So it to me it made it less likely that it was him. I am of the belief that it was not him at all, but he knows the people that it was, and after they blow his house up, it's on. It's fucking on. I fully agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do destroy his house, Paige. Yeah. Yeah, because essentially they find him, they run back to the group, and they tell, they're like, oh my God, we found the guy. Yeah. And very wisely, Powers Booth and Keith Carradine are like, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, we don't have any idea. Like, we didn't see them. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's this guy. Yeah, like, this oh, guy. No. Who, and, and again, we saw what they could see, which was fucking nothing. So you have no idea. This, this movie guy. basically goes into like, well, I mean, a more modern allegory of like, well, he, all Cajuns are like this. Right. I and mean, you can put it in any sub other group of like, they yeah. all look alike and they all are like this and they're all coming to kill us so we can kill they them all. They all look alike. We got to kill some Viet Congs. Right. And even though Viet Cong is already plural. <laughs> anyway, so they are like, hey, are we sure it's them? Because I like, I don't, I, I didn't see them. I couldn't pick them out of the lineup. I don't know. They're like, well, let's, we'll just go and ask it. Right. Yeah. And so they all creep up. And uh, is it Sims? Sims is the one who runs and punches him. No, yes? that's Coach. I couldn't catch. Co- no, 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 no. Coach is the one who blows up the house. I know. No, no, no. But Coach doesn't punch him. He goes in after. They all look alike. Somebody punched him <laughs> really hard. Yeah, I thought it was Sims because he he freaks out and then he kind of. No, stands I think it down. was. I think it was Coach. It was Coach. Is it no? Because they leave Coach behind. No, 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 Paige. They do leave Coach behind. You see him yes. load his gun, cock it, and yes. then run yes. past the advance party, and then yes, ho- like he, as he's running up, he shoots. All of his live ammo all just of his live into ammo. the air like a goddamn idiot. Yes. And then he... They've already punched him by then. They're holding him and he's bloody. I don't know who does that. And the Wikipedia does not help us. So we're just going to have to move on. I remembered it as Sims because he was like, I'm sorry, I was so upset about the sergeant. I really liked him or whatever. And then he kind of backs off because he's like, oh, shit, I, I overreacted. So... The, the Cajun man is bleeding uh, and standing there and they did leave Coach behind because no one trusts Coach and we didn't know why until this moment and we will find out uh, because Coach is a reactionary asshole. Yes. And so he has real high school coach energy. Yeah. Yes. He loads up his gun. Yeah. He runs and he fires off his two rounds which scares the shit out of everybody of because they're just like what gunshots what and that means he's wasted all of his bullets so he kind of takes a seat and they're like why the fuck do you waste your bullets you idiot and the rest <laughs> of them go through and look through the house and in the house they find dynamite guns ammunition food, food yeah everything they need for like a supply run that they're just going to steal because they don't view this cajun man as human no i mean they yeah. view him as the enemy he's the because, enemy now, yeah yeah I mean, and listen, I don't think he is. He's definitely nope. a victim here. All the Cajun yep. people are. But they do, I don't say ransack, because I, I don't really think they take a lot, because Coach goes in there yes. and, like, blows it up before they can actually get anything out of it. Well, that's because the sergeant's like, let's go outside and interrogate the guy. We'll come back and get this stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah, they're, they're going to come back and organize and take it later. But as they're doing that, Coach goes in, paints a red cross on his chest like an idiot like an idiot lights a molotov cocktail 
and tosses it into the house, which makes it explode like a pile of balsa wood. I gotta be honest with you. If I saw someone I was on the worst church canoe trip with ever walk out of a house that we just discovered with a red cross on their chest holding a Molotov cocktail, I might shoot that person. hundred Like, I don't know what he's going to do with that Molly. And he's Same. demonstrated that he is having some sort of mental thing. Yes. It's weird. I mean, I, and it's not because he painted a cross. It's because he painted anything on his chest. Like, that is yes. such a weird thing to do. It is crazy. And I can't predict that person's yeah. future action, so I can't ensure my safety. If I had live rounds, I might have used one. I honestly probably would have started running away in truth. Like, I, oh, probably, I don't know that I, yeah. I would have a lot of trouble shooting somebody in general, but uh, I don't think I would. It's like self-preservation, <laughs> so I'm hoping that would kick in and actually allow me to do it. But I don't even think you could run because I think your two layers of jeans would slow you down. But yeah. guys, I am literally the warmest in this bayou, so... Who's laughing now? Everyone. Everyone's laughing at you. Oh, yeah. my bad. I would probably Page. try to shoot a leg or an arm to just, like, take yeah. him down. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully making him drop the Molotov cocktail and, like, light yeah. himself on fire. Love that. Paige, before you got on this call, <laughs> I was telling Todd last night, I was so tired that I got home and fell asleep in bed with all the lights on. on top. I, I just the like, story. I was like, I'm just going to feel my bed. And I just, like, fell asleep with all the lights on. And I'm all in my clothes from, like, I had, like, two drinks and came home at, like, 930 and passed out because I had a stressful day. And then Todd's like, save it for the podcast. I want to hear about you sleeping in jeans and I'm like it's summer so I won't touch jeans again unless until October unless absolutely necessary yeah, I brought a pair to wear for the show tonight the, the two shows tonight yeah and I'm regretting it and, and, yeah. and I might I might break my own rule and wear shorts on stage I think I'm gonna wear a dress instead I was like what are you talking about it's 90 degrees last night I'm not wearing jeans out of the house jeans, nuts. I did wear jeans all day for the past two days what the Whoa. fuck is I mean, wrong I took them you? off when I went to sleep, but like I, I've been wearing jeans the past two days. But I honestly haven't left the house because the first day the police wouldn't let us. And the second day I was just lazy. I can't wear jeans around the house. That's too uncomfortable. I wear the jeans around the house. I only wear pants to doctor's offices and appointments yeah. or whatever. I'm not wearing pants in my own home. I wear pants if I go outside. Yeah. What is the point of being a landowner? I started <laughs> buying lady boxers because that's a new thing. Nice. And that's what I wear. That's what I'm wearing right now. And I've been wearing them like walking around the halls of this hotel getting a million things of ice. I wondered why you, your camera was off. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> my balls are hanging out. <laughs> Paige is hanging brain over here. I'm hanging brain. I'm not going to wear like full pants. You crazy. I'm I'm wearing pants right now, guys. Full disclosure. I know you can't oh see my, my, God. my waist, but yeah. I'm wearing I'm wearing boxers and a t-shirt that says Apollo NASA Vision Kubrick Moon Landing Crew. I love that shirt. <laughs> and honestly, it's the only believable Kubrick movie. <laughs> Is the moon landing? Yeah. Why does the flag stand so straight? <laughs> Conspiracy theory people are dumb. But I, I do love hearing about it. Oh, it, they're funny to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. This is Mikey from Harvard, and I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Harvard in here <laughs> talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, 
They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50. To get 50% off. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, so he blows up the house and he's like, that'll teach him to fuck with us. And everyone is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, like that is a huge overreaction. And there were a lot of like resources we could have taken from that to help us out. Right? Yeah. Like real guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now they're literally just kindling around this bayou. But this yes. is my favorite person going kind of insane and war kind of moment because like everyone's focused on the house blowing up but he wanders out with like the big red bloody cross on his chest <laughs> yeah to, so uh, crazy to our two main characters he's like they're like hey why did you do that and he's like don't you get the reference and they're like huh no. and he turns to sweetie uh -uh. he's like i thought you definitely would and you're like what what i'm an avenging angel for the sergeant and we're like uh Oh. Well, and that's, he says that second because he, he talks to one first person and they're like, why'd you do that? And he's like, well, it's part of the joke. And he's like, what joke? And he says, it's a corporal joke, private. <laughs> and then keep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then oh, he's right. the avenging angel thing. It it makes no sense. Nope. I mean, maybe like a crusader. Like, I don't know. Like, the, it doesn't make any sense. I It, it was very confusing to me, too. Uh, but I mean, it is like, oh shit, this guy is like going crazy. Yeah, no. If you pop, if you popped in the guy from Ancient Aliens and was like, <laughs> see the Templar cross represents, I'd be like, that makes about as much sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like, like the the guy from Ancient Aliens was like another soldier that the that coach walked oh. up to after he blew it up, and he was like, do you get it? And the Ancient Aliens guys was like, yeah, I do get it. Yes. it's hilarious. Yeah, I do. That's fucking great. <laughs> anyway, he walks away, and Powers Booth is like, hey, Keith Carradine. I think that guy is like really crazy, yeah. like real nuts, like dangerous. And Keith Carradine's like, I got news for you. Uh, we all know <laughs> and we've known for a while. And that's why they don't give him responsibilities. And he's like, so they just let him come on these things like what? So he still gets to be part of the thing. Apparently it's slim pickings at this National Guard. Yes. But as they walk, because we get another Tolkien moment of walking and walking until yes. they come up on hanging dead rabbits. I do love that they're just like, what does this mean? <laughs> to the Cajun guy who just goes, Lapin, which is just French for rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is how we survive. It's called hunting and gathering, you idiots. Yeah. And and I do like that they're like, they're just letting the skins dry out. Like, what? Are, what? Yeah. But there are eight of them. 
and there are eight soldiers. Right. So they read way too much into this. Yes. And maybe it is. Like, we never find out if they were doing this or not. And maybe it is, but we don't know. Yeah, I think they were just hunting. Me too. And again, because the Cajun man looks so confused, he's just like, they're rabbits. I know. What do you, what do you mean? What <laughs> and he could have been lying to them, but he also could have been like, rabbits? I don't know. Um, but this is where they hear dogs. And they're like, dogs mean hunters. And so they like wait for the dogs and the dogs immediately attack them. Because if you are one of the Cajun people, these people have shot at you and then blown up a house and kidnapped one of your friends. And that's all you know about them. So of course you send your dogs out. Like, why wouldn't you? And these are big ass dogs. They're Rottweilers, man. Yeah, Rottweilers. I love this shot too, because like, it's clear they're nowhere close to hitting those dogs in these shots. Yeah. And it's like, sort of funny but like sort of wholesome in a way you're like oh they actually didn't really want to hurt these dogs when they're shooting them those dogs look fucking vicious though they do but i mean they're good little dog dog actors it was this shot that like surprised me at the end when they show on screen them killing live pigs oh yeah because they are clearly trying to like not hurt these dogs (laughs) as they're doing the scene as they're like literally in the scene, they're ripping apart these soldiers' like limbs. Yes. The uh, two of them that they attack, one of which is Powers Booth. Yeah. But they eventually beat the dogs off of the soldiers. Oh, let me finish, oh, let me finish that sentence. Apologies. Yeah, that just came out that way. Where were the animal people then? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the dogs run away. Yeah. <laughs> they fought the dogs off. Yes, they fought the dogs off. Right. The dogs run away. <laughs> And at this point, they're like, okay, everyone take five minutes to regroup and tend to your wounds and whatever. Yeah. And this is where Powers Booth is like, what the fuck's going on? Like, what is happening? And Keith Carradine's like, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's an exercise, and I think we met some weird people. And yeah. I, nah. Yeah, shit's gone south for sure for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And at this point, I was like, how is there an hour left of this movie? Like, what could possibly happen in an hour? A lot of the same thing over and over. Because it does really feel like yeah. we're walking from one set piece to another. Yes. Like, we're walking. Okay, here's where the dogs attack. Okay, we're walking. Okay, this is where they run into XYZ, right? It's just like that yeah. over and over for a long time. Yeah, and what we run into next is bear traps in the swamp. That's what it is, yeah. And this is where they're like, there's only seven of these. What do they know that we don't? And I was like, I don't know how to set bear traps. Like, what do you mean? What do they know that we don't? (laughs) Like, do you think that they had time to kill one of you and then only set seven and like that they're psychic also? Like, what are you doing? They may only have seven bears. I was like, you guys are reading into it, but I I guess they weren't. Well, who knows? We never get confirmation either way. Well, the only thing we do get is that they have the like spear trap that kills TK Carter. Which, okay. They're not walking on a path. Yeah. Like the the fact that he walked directly onto the spear trap blew my mind. Cause they're walking like yeah. in I would say what, like six inch to a foot deep yeah. water. But these are good hunters. So like with the yes. trees and stuff, like they they have designed a path where like you you're taking a path, you don't even know it. You're like, okay. Because most people just travel the path of least resistance. Sure. So right. if they modify it a little bit, they funnel them where they want to go. Okay. Like Vietnam. Yeah. All right. Well, and at this point, they stop and they bury everybody. Yeah. They can only carry so many bodies. And waste the whole day. And waste the whole day burying people. 
and this is where the group starts to divide because Powers Booth and Spencer are like, we don't actually know if this guy is the guy. Right. Because they still have Byron James with them, the trapper guy, right. you know? They still right. have him with them. And he's his one arm is tied to a rope around his waist. Yes. And his other arm is just like hanging freely inside that jacket. Yes. And then they <laughs> just tied him to a tree. Yeah. And at this point, Powers Booth and Keith Carradine are like, what if we just let him go? Yeah. Oh, you mean the guy who literally did nothing and whose house we blew up? Yeah. Yes. But also, how long are we going to follow Casper, who clearly doesn't know where we're going? Right. Mm -hmm. And also won't let this guy go like all of it. And so at this point, he suggests that Spencer take charge. And Spencer's like, yeah, nice of you to volunteer me for sedition, essentially. Yeah. But so they go to sleep. We get up the next morning and Powers Booth doesn't see the trapper, uh, the, the Cajun guy. Yeah. And so he follows the sounds of Fred Ward <sighs> drowning that guy yeah. <laughs> to try and get him to talk. But he's going to kill that guy like 100 percent. Oh, yeah. Powers Booth just walked in on him killing him more or less. An attempted murder. Yeah. Yes. Like Fred Ward is not trying to interrogate him. The trapper no. has spoke zero English up to this point. Although I will admit he did nod once when someone spoke English at him. Yes. But being able to speak it and sort of generally understanding someone's general body language vibe, like those are two different things. He has not yet revealed he does speak English. And he's drowning him. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, my point is that Fred Ward is under the impression that he cannot interrogate this guy because of the language barrier. Yeah. And his excuse when the guy, when Powers Booth comes up to him is, I'm going to make this guy talk. Yeah, what? And you're like, well, you won't understand him and he won't understand you, Fred Ward. You're clearly just trying to murder this dude. And that's why yes. uh, Powers Booth does the dumbest downgrade of a gunfight ever. Yes, we have to. Yeah. I would have just shot his ass. Me and been too. like, okay, yeah. put that knife away or I'm going to shoot you. And if he was like, what? Are, you can, I would have just, I would have waited till he took a step forward me and I would have shot him. Yes. Yeah. When I saw this, I just heard the West Side Story music. I know, right? It is very the, like... Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 da. At any yeah. point, if everyone else in the regiment started like snapping and like... Yes, it's West Side Story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, he stabs Fred Ward. Fred Ward dies. <laughs> so now they, have, they waste a whole... Another half a day burying Fred Ward in the rain. And Powers Booth got the shit beat out of him. He did. He does. Yeah. And and Powers Booth is just like, nobody fucking talk to me. If you're going to dig a grave for him, just do it fucking silently. We shouldn't even be doing that, basically. Yeah. And they start asking Casper, like, okay, where are we going? And how are we getting there? Like, what is happening? And Casper starts, like, quoting the manual at them. And they're like, you don't fucking know what you're doing. Yeah. And so half of the group decides to go with Spencer. Sims goes with Casper, but only to ensure, or no, I'm sorry, it's Stucky goes with Casper. Yes. To ensure that, that Powers Booth gets court-martialed when they go back for killing Fred Ward. Yeah. So they all start walking, and everyone follows Spencer, and then the other two just follow because they're like, we don't want to be alone in the swamp. Yeah. Basically. And as they're walking, one of them hears something, but nobody else really hears it. I mean, but we hear it. I think this is Sims. I don't think Sims yes. is like, he may be losing his mind a little bit. I don't think he's hallucinating the sounds. He's not hallucinating the sounds. Right. But he runs through firing bullets and wastes all of his bullets because he doesn't strategically fire them. Right. He doesn't actually wait till he sees like, quote unquote, the whites of their eyes. Right. Right. He's firing just wildly into the woods where he generally hears sound. Right. Yeah. 
And as they go along the trail, they find all of the dead bodies they just spent all fucking day burying. Yep. Dug up and tied to a tree. And that tree falls towards them because this is where the ants start attacking. <laughs> Literally, trees fall perfectly timed oh, yeah. for no reason. Like, I, I get that they could have set those as traps, but there's no one, like, pushing them. There's no rope system we see pulling them down. None that we see, like, yeah. So, like, it's just such a wild thing. It's so funny. And so they're they're trapping them with the trees and the trees kill a few soldiers. But what's really funny to me at this point is we've only met so many soldiers like they only some of them have names. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they just start killing off all the unnamed ones. Yeah. At this point, we no longer see a soldier that is unnamed. Right. I do think digging up the bodies is like a baller move. Oh, yeah, dude. Digging up the bodies is dope. That is like a that was a scare for me. I was like, oh, shit, that would freak me the fuck out. Because at this point, because I kept like reviewing the score in my mind of like, okay, they shot at them. They blew up the house. They kidnapped that guy. They tried to kill that guy. That guy gets away and goes back to them and tells them what happened. Of course, they dig up the body. Like they are the menace in the swamp right now. (laughs) <laughs> like you mean the soldiers are the menace in the swamp right yes, now? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Everything is Stucky's fault. Yes. So they run from the trees. The few of them that survive the trees, they get kind of split up. And this is where Stucky's like, I hear something and it is a helicopter. They all hear it. They try to wave it down. There's nowhere for it to land. Yeah. And so it turns and falls like flies away. Uh, And Stucky runs after it and it immediately falls into quicksand, I guess, or just a bog. I guess it's a bog because it's the bayou, but it is like it does have like Artax vibes, you know, like except no Mm. one's trying to save Stucky because Stucky is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pitfall of being in the bayou. (laughs) Well done. I do love that he dies. And this death, I think, would be probably the worst for me. It's the one I don't want to have. Exactly. Please shoot me instead. Exactly. I feel like shooting would be faster. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on where you got shot. But But. drowning is like a particular fear of mine. Yeah. And drowning in a bog. Yeah. Personally, no thank you. Ugh, drowning in thick, dirty water. Yeah, Ugh. drowning would be rough. Ugh. Anyway, Stucky's dead. Yeah, Stucky's dead. They split up into two groups and they're supposed to fire blanks so that they know where each other are. And I was like, oh, so just give your positions away all I mean, day long? You would have to because they ruined their radio when they went crazy and jumped yeah. out of the canoes. So like, yes. that's the only way they can do it, but it does 100% give their position away to the people who are trying to defend themselves in their home yes so they attach their knives onto guns like bayonet and casper as he does this kind of sees the cajuns and just runs towards them in slow motion for no reason yeah and just gets the like if this was a modern day movie it would have the like (laughs) behind it as he gets shot multiple times yeah (laughs) and of course Sims also sees it happen and is like, oh no, and just says, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not supposed to be here and gets shot also. And that one actually makes me pretty sad. It does make me sad too, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the other group is like, I think we should stop shooting because like I haven't heard or seen them for a while. We're just giving away our position. <laughs> right, like, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Eagle was like, let's just get the fuck out of here. We have to live for ourselves now. Yeah. Bring the dog, which is Coach. Which is Coach. <laughs> I was going to say, they do have Coach tied up. They do. Who has been catatonic for like half the movie at this point. And did we mention that the Trapper guy ran off? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. After, after Fred Ward died. Yeah, after Fred yeah. Ward died, the Trapper was able to get away because obviously Fred Ward and Powers Booth were fighting and he was like, well, I'm not going to 
like just hang out here. He does stay to cheer for Powers Booth. He does, and then but runs he doesn't away. wait to see the outcome. He leaves. Ale, <laughs> like, ale. Yeah. I was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> so Powers Booth and Keith Carradine. This is where Powers Booth is like, no offense. I'm going to fight my way out of here and I don't care who I have to kill to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and Keith Carradine's like, okay, maybe don't kill me though. Like, can, yeah. can we go together? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you have to kill any of us, kill coach. He's tied up right here. Yeah. When we cut to the next morning, and at this point in my notes, I just have, how are they not always dead in their sleep? Because they've given their position away so many times. Did we talk about Spencer's joke about if you die, I'm going to go meet your wife? Oh, no, we didn't. We could, we should talk about that. Because <laughs> he asks him, like, how long you've been married? He's like, five years. And, and he's like, are you happy? And he's like, yeah, I like her. She's got a good sense of humor. And Spencer <laughs> says, I was thinking if you died in this bayou, maybe I'd go look her up. And he's like, I said she had a sense of humor. <laughs> Such a good <laughs> joke. Not me. It, it is a great joke. And I also fully do believe that Powers Booth doesn't have a humorous bone left in his body at this point in the movie. Because <laughs> he yeah, doesn't really it, love the joke. <laughs> no. And it's shocking that he can walk with no humoruses (laughs) (laughs) i mean he might have been a very funny dude before the events of this movie but like at this point he is not having it look sam the eagle doesn't make jokes either and so i think (laughs) he's a type you know he is a type cast as a part eagle part man how could you have a sense of humor when your name is powers booth (laughs) the bird people do not have senses of humor yeah anyway they wake up they're not dead in their sleep miraculously right and they hear a noise and it's a train because they're like right on the train track so they run over to the train tracks where they find that coach has been hung and they do ask like because the trapper comes out speaking english yeah and just says hey i'm not gonna kill you if i don't have to just stay to the west side there's a bayou over here we live on this side there's a road about a mile up just go to it and find it and we'll leave you alone yeah and they're like well, what about our friend? <laughs> so, yeah. So this is what, like, makes me think the trapper wasn't in the initial group. I don't think so. Because he doesn't kill them when he clearly right. could have. And he tells them how to get out of there. Like, he's like, I think he may or may not have been. He at least is really close friends with the guy in the group. Sure, and I think yeah. he saw Spencer and Eagle fight for him <laughs> and try to be good, decent guys. Yes. And, like, yeah. I think he still killed Coach because Coach blew his house up. Yes. Yeah, I sort of get that, though. Wouldn't have made that call myself, but I get it. Right. And I, I love this exchange between the, the three of them. Me too. I also think even if he was in the initial group, the initial group was acting in self-defense. Yes. Because, like, they thought they were being shot at. So they shot back. Like, I understand, you know. So... Paige, the initial group is acting in self-defense 100% of this movie. Yes, 100%. Or at least perceived self-defense. Yes. So they start to leave to go find the road a mile up because they're just like, Coach is on his own with his weird joke. <laughs> well, Coach is dead. <laughs> yeah, Coach is dead. He got benched. I mean, what really happened is he hung himself or was hung on the train tracks. No, I think he was hung. He was sure. sure. I mean, do they confirm that? They don't confirm that because the one arm man's like, don't ask me fucking questions. Just go. Yeah. I personally believe, yes, coach did get killed for like blowing up that guy's house. Right. Yes. But I don't think they ever actually confirm it. That's my only point. (laughs) 
they, they, they don't. They don't officially confirm it, although that is my headcanon. Yeah, same. And I like I like how they're like, Spencer's like, wait, like what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't understand what the fuck is happening. And he's like, we live here. You fuck with us. We're going to fucking kill you. And he's like, yeah. All right, well, we'll be heading down. Yeah, we're going to go <laughs> yeah. head whatever way you tell me is the quickest way out of here and hopefully never see you again. Bye. Right. And so they make their way to the road where they encounter a pig truck and the truck picks them up. Well, it's a truck with a couple of pigs on it. We gotta be, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not a, 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 a truck in the shape of a pig. Which sure, I think sure, was a trick, sure, sure, big truck. <laughs> I do love that when the guy was like, "Yeah, get in the back with the other pigs." <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that isn't what he says. No, but that's the vibe of the movie, and I was sort of here for that it. That is the vibe of the film. Yeah, but they are that couple who buy you a drink across the bar because that woman is interested in Spencer. Well, you see him dance with her later, right? Or dance yeah, with him later? Oh, no, yeah. no, it's it's a different lady. It is oh, a different lady. We all look alike. All Cajuns look alike. Yeah, but what they do say to them is. Uh, no problem just hop in the back yeah uh, so it's very uh straightforward but they sh- they're like hey just take us to the next town well they take them to where they are going with those pigs which is basically a, a cajun cookout yes which I- you would assume take me to the next town they can get a phone there awesome but if you pull into this town expecting to like find a phone i would be so disappointed because there's no electricity in this town it seems like there is electricity is there okay there is electricity they say we got the electric yeah, he says, we've got electricity, but we don't have any phones yet, but I can take you later, but eat first, have something to, to drink, and she'll show you where to wash your hands. So thus ensues 18 minutes yes. of them partying with the Cajuns. It is a lot of partying with the Cajuns. And n- no real information in the, it is just a party. The only thing you get is... Powers Booth is like, we've got to be on guard. These people are going to kill us. And then yes. Spencer being like, let's party. We're safe. Like Spencer is very much let his guard down. And Powers Booth is still like at an 11, which yeah. turns out to be he should have been. But yeah. the fact that this takes 18 minutes to tell that story that we just sort of explained in 30 seconds is too long. Yes. It feels like they were going for to like show what Cajun's life is like and how sure. different it is. Than I agree. Of the rest of America. I, I I do think that's what they were doing. They could have done that in two minutes. Exactly. hundred yeah. exactly. percent. Yes. Yeah. And I honestly, I love that stuff because we're getting like a good, like Louisiana, like barbecue. The more we saw it, the more we saw of it, the more I was like, shut the fuck up and eat the barbecue. Yeah. Like, just like this sounds awesome. <laughs> honestly, ask for a change of clothes. Ask if anyone yes. can give you a change of clothes and blend the fuck in until you can get out of there. Yeah. Learn some fucking French and play <laughs> along. Right. And I think with the allegory, it's just like, oh, look, these people who you think are weird and are killers oh, yes. have like families and they're like having fun and they're all about like just you know the same things that real America is all about I think that's what they're saying like Mm -hmm. the people who are going after the quote-unquote soldiers in this movie who typically you would like side with as Americans like most American movies are not how the soldiers are bad although there are some of those but like it's really it's really humanizing the people from the bayou which I like it's too long though like you can do that in 30 well probably two minutes to three minutes. minutes yeah 
you could do this in two to three minutes. Yeah. But I also think it's it's overcompensating because we never thought the Bayou people were the bad people. Well, like, I did this movie. Like our sensibilities today didn't. I do That's wonder if in the 80s, like our parents, uh, when they went and saw this when they were kids or, you know, even their parents going to see it, like if they were like, oh shit, maybe the soldiers are the bad guys, you know? I saw a movie just like this last week, The Covenant with Jake Gyllenhaal, where he spends some oh, yeah. time with the Afghanistan translator. He's like, we're just alike. It's your family. And then I'm like, it's like a, the same moment. Yeah. Okay. But kind of like this. But like, yeah, I, I think, yeah, maybe back then they're like Cajuns because there hasn't been a lot of pop culture. Cajuns? The, uh, here's the thing. So the tagline for this movie, I will read it to you now, I think gives us some insight there. Of course it would. What does it say? Yeah, so it says, during a routine exercise, a team of National Guards are threatened by angry and violent locals, huh. which points to them as being the aggressor, but they're not. It does. You know, and so I think Fuck. maybe at the time, that's how this was pictured because us watching it today, we're like, um, what? <laughs> well, like, and this is post deliverance. Yes. And I think deliverance inf- had to influence this film. Oh, so it's like, let's have. set the audience up of like, they're the yeah. bad guys, like deliverance. Oh, you think the tagline may have been like a misdirect? Maybe. Uh-huh. And then you get there and you're like, oh, these army dudes are kind of assholes and they're kind of asking for it. Yeah. Which I like about that. I mean, Me like, that's the whole concept that I like about this. I wonder if yeah. they sort of backed their way into creating a movie that speaks uh, to our generation better than deliverance does, you know? Like, yeah maybe just through like trying to poke i don't know i don't know that tagline is wild for i think the message of the movie yeah but maybe yeah. he's right maybe it's a misdirect maybe or it's just marketing misunderstanding misunderstanding <laughs> a movie which happens all the time i have never as a marketer misunderstood what i was trying to do ever <laughs> i feel like most cult classic movies you can point to marketing not understanding what the movie was about. Oh, yeah. We fuck up all the time. Like, it, it happens, man. We try not to. We do our best. But, like, mistakes happen. I think it was a mystery. I hope it was. Yeah. Because I think this movie, like, bombs. And I think I think we'll it's talk too complicated it. for the time. You know what I mean? Anyway, we see them kill pigs live. Hate that. So they see the people they've been running from show up in canoes. Yeah. And Powers Booth is like, oh, this is not good. So he steals a knife. He goes into like a storage shed area. And as he's doing that, Spencer kind of is like, wait a second. Something's not right. So he comes out too. The scariest part is when he goes to like the edge of the town and the guy just like pops out with the gun. Yeah. Yes. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. This whole 18 minute sequence gets. Well, it's, mixed up. it's 18 minutes of nothing and then two minutes of everything. Yeah. Just like Night with Me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's a lot of Mikey playing his banjo and not, you know, doing what he should be doing. Four strings is an average amount of strings. <laughs> <laughs> They're girthy strings, guys. Thick sorry, sorry. strings. <laughs> I love that you knew enough to know a banjo has four strings. I love it. Thank you. Hey, thanks, everybody. Look at you. It's like me when I talk about like football rules. People are like, wait, what? He knows what he's talking about? What? I have a I have like a, a cursory knowledge of many subjects to make weird jokes, but Same. then once you go beyond that, I don't know That's shit. That's how I feel about football. Like I know enough to know how to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I do not. So Powers Booth goes to kind of the edge of the Cajun town and one of the guys pops out behind a tree. Orbs out. 
He does ominously step out. Like he steps out in a way that made me think he could see through that tree because he had yeah, eye contact wild. with Powers Booth before he stepped out. Yes. And I do think he, here's my head cannon. They did not go far enough to the road to get out of where they're supposed to be. I think so. Uh, no, too. I think they went to the dirt road. And when the trapper was talking about it, he was like, keep going. There's a there's a paved road. You want that one. You want the highway. Clearly not a dirt road. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so they are where they're not supposed to be. Right. And so that guy chases down Powers Booth and that's what it is. He runs into like the storage area mm -hmm. and then that guy yeah. kind of follows him and shoots him. In the shoulder. Yeah. In the shoulder. As he's about to shoot him in the head, Spencer comes up behind him and kind of hits him with his gun and chokes him out. Well, he fires, no, he his fires blanks. blanks. That's yeah, he is. fires his blanks at him because he doesn't have live rounds. But it does. That's what it, it is. does like jar the guy who's trying to kill Powers Booth because someone is shooting a gun at him. It just has blanks in it. I would be freaking out too. But then, hold on now, he gets yeah. gutted like the pig in the dick. Yeah, he gets stabbed because Powers Booth in that time takes his bayonet and stabs him in the dick with it. Yeah, stabs him in the dick. And then this exchanges when the others come in and that's when powers booth strangles a guy to stop him from shooting spencer i do love how like this all transpires while like the cookout is happening they're playing banjo and guitar and singing and, and they keep cutting back and forth to it yeah and they keep cutting back and forth like if they would have heard those gunshots and i do think that would have alerted them something not great was going on and not only that, this is in my notes. I have like just fucking finish it already because yeah. it, the more it cuts back and forth, the Heard longer it takes. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking care. I have seen the banjos. I've seen the dancing. I've seen the food. I know what's happening. Yeah. I don't need to continue to see it. Like I know I have that information. And Paige, we didn't need to see the pigs killed live on camera to understand that those pigs were going there to be eaten. Right. So like, had you just just cut from them being on the back of the truck to them hanging, I would have been like, oh, I get it. And yeah. I see what they're trying to do in their like early 80s way where they're like, they're cutting to like the nooses they made for the pigs. Yes. They're building tension. Powers Booth is thinking, oh my God, they're going to hang us. And of course they're not. Mm -hmm. They're there for the pigs. Yeah. The pigs are right there. They're like right next to yeah. it. Well, for a minute I was like, they're going to hang them in public <laughs> square. <laughs> I knew it, they weren't because it wasn't the two yeah. guys that had actually been hunting the soldiers in the right, canoe. Right, exactly. It was a was the other people at the party who were just like there to have a good time and have a cookout yeah yeah it, and it was it, like all of that stuff where i'm just like i've seen it yeah i've seen 18 minutes of it we just don't need i it. don't need more of it you could build all that tension in three minutes and it doesn't feel like redundant i think that's why i, I didn't like the end of the movie because it just felt so yes. redundant yes perfect example the raptors in jurassic park yes that scene's only like two minutes long exactly but man it's built the tension up so much that when the t-rex comes in and gets him yes which is i guess spencer coming in with his gun shooting yes. blanks like that moment pays off just as much as this one does and takes more so i would say yeah it takes 20 percent of the time to get there yeah, yeah exactly uh so they've now killed everyone that's after them they walk back out into the swamp they see a helicopter, they follow it, and then for no fucking reason at all, the last two and a half minutes of this movie are in slow fucking motion. Yeah, and it sounds like it. The helicopter sound effects slows and sort of warps. Yeah, and, and yeah. It, just, it like cuts to the army stuff. To try to build more tension, I guess. For what? For fucking what? It's the end of the movie. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. They should have just walked. That truck would have been there and it would have been yeah. done. Yeah. But it does stop yeah. on the star that's on the side of the truck. Like it freeze frames. Yeah. 
And that's the movie. So having seen the movie and we talked about the movie, what did you guys think about Southern Comfort? I'm glad we were able to discuss it. It's one of like my like hidden classic horror films that like yeah. no one's ever seen, and I may have designed this whole month around it. I do yeah. think people should see it, <laughs> but I don't think many people have seen it. Like I'm glad we're doing an episode on it because I do think it deserves way more credit than it gets. I feel in a really cool position being a part of this team that I get to like show y'all and then other people this movie that I like grew up and like really liked this horror movie that I thought was interesting that like no one's really heard of. Yeah. Well, and I do think it's interesting. I do hope that they intend it to be, I think, a good like we're watching the villains the whole time and like the Bayou guys did nothing wrong, that co- that kind of thing. I do hope that that was their intent because that's what comes across to me now with, with like today's sensibilities. Hey guys, the director explicitly stated that he doesn't think it's an allegory for the Vietnam War. Well, he's an idiot. Well, I definitely disagree with the guy who created this. <laughs> I, I just I just pulled up fun facts and I was like, shit, oh no. I mean, that's fine. It definitely plays that way today though. I'm going to read a direct quote. So this is from Walter Hill, the director of the film. He he says, this is our story. And we were aware that people were going to see it as a metaphor for Vietnam. Okay. And the day that we had the cast read before we went into the swamps, I told everybody, quote, people are going to say this is about Vietnam. They can say whatever they want, but I don't want to hear another word about it. End quote. He does not think this is about Vietnam, which is wild. I, it's so hard to believe that. That he said it, dude. Uh, no, yeah. I'm, I mean, I realize he said that, but like, it is. It, well, that's it the is. thing about art. So I agree let, with you. Let me I say this. I am very like loosey-goosey when it comes to art opinions. Like, yeah, everyone's going to have a reaction a different way. And like this movie fully, to me, is about the Vietnam War. If the director doesn't think that, that's cool. But that's the way his creation spoke to me. And I don't know if they stumbled on it or not, but I think the only people who like it see it for what it is. But you know what? That's even more of an allegory for Vietnam with the guy in control of this, <laughs> thinking that this no, is a yeah, glorious thinking that, reading. It's, thinking that it's not it. I, I guess to me that means that no, it, it was not in, they were not being referential with the racial undertones of the film. I know, and that hurts. That's that, a like, bummer. Yeah, that that's hurts. a real bummer, honestly. Yeah. That sucks a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, Paige, we're sort of in fun facts. Do you want to yeah, just jump just into them. fun facts? Well, Paige, hit us with more fun facts. Some more fun uh, facts. N- not Vietnam fun <laughs> facts. Yeah, so Walter Hill uh, doesn't think this is about Vietnam. Fully disagree And he's the one you. who made it. I, I know. That's wild to me. Yeah. I think it's really interesting sometimes when people make art. And everyone reads it one way and 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 then the artist is like, that's not what I intended at all. I think a great example of this is Fight Club, uh, where oh, people yeah. don't realize that that it's written by a gay man about to- toxic masculinity. And there's so many dudes who are just like, dude, Tyler Durden's the fucking best. <laughs> Like, yeah. just don't understand it at all. Yeah, like, dudes misunderstand Fight Club more than women misunderstand Midsummer. Yeah. That's why I say Fight Club and Midsummer are the same movie, but for different sexes or genders or whatever. Yeah, because I, I, I don't think that's an inaccurate comparison. I do think that there are ways to enjoy both of them while... I like both of those movies. Yeah, yeah. like... <laughs> And, and being like, hey, I get that this is a lot of people read this one way and maybe not so much. Uh, and I think you can still enjoy it despite that and still understand that, like, I feel some catharsis, even though this is problematic. I think those are all valid things to feel. Uh, but, the, you know, the intention behind may be different, which is clearly the case here, which is wild. But yeah, yeah. this is that's so crazy to me. 
now, also according to Walter Hill, no studio wanted to make this movie, but an independent uh, producer who had a relationship with 20th, 20th Century Fox financed it and pushed to have them release it eventually. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, the production shoot for this movie was nine weeks with them working six day weeks. And it was shot in Cato Lake in Texas, which good God, as someone who is in Texas right now, no. And Paige, you've been there for nine weeks exactly today, right? Like that, <laughs> that was the plan. I've barely been here nine hours no, and I'm I know. ready to go home. <laughs> I know. And you're not and you're in a fancy hotel with shitty internet, but a fancy hotel. They were in like the bayou for nine weeks. Like I yeah, realize yeah, yeah. this is a movie, but they were still there on set. Yes. Or in a town close by. Like Jesus. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, according to Walter Hill, also, he views Keith Carradine's character and Powers Booth characters as different types that find common ground. First and foremost, oh, yeah. Keith Carradine's character, he believes, is someone who is naturally graceful and confident and can always separate himself from groupthink. So he's like skeptical. He's he's skeptical, but he's also kind of a class clown. He but yeah. he's an independent thinker is what he's kind of getting at. Whereas he views Powers Booth's character as rational and hardworking and truly mm -hmm. a self-made individual, and in doing so, objects to the irrationality of the group. Yeah, I could see that. He can't believe that people are being so irrational, whereas Keith Carradine can, but understands he's like oh, I get why they're doing this. It's stupid and we're not going to do it. But I understand people yeah. in a way that makes me understand why they would do this. He's like, I get why this is happening, but this is definitely going to get us killed. So let's avoid these people. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, now in an interview, and I don't know how true this is because we have a lot of quotes from Walter Hill, but that's one version of story. Sure. Anyways, gotcha. Uh, so he and David Geiler had a deal with Fox where they were supposed to acquire and develop commercial scripts that could be easily and cheaply produced. They acquired Alien, the original Alien. Really? And Southern Comfort as the play. Ah, okay. Now, Alien goes on to have its own story of development that's not really related to this. Yeah. But they decide to produce Southern Comfort, and this is the one he chooses to work on. They hmm. also, uh, they had already done a movie called Hard Times in 1975, which was kind of, which is set in Louisiana also. And so he wanted to kind of do another one. Anyway, Powers Booth was cast after they saw him play Jim Jones in a television miniseries. No shit. And now, notably, a very difficult to find miniseries, uh, but it's called Guiana Tragedy, the Story of Jim Jones from 1980. Mm. I would encourage you not to view Jonestown material produced before, I don't know, yeah. the 90s, uh, because people did not fully understand what had happened right after, and they had not listened to the tapes. And I think the tapes are a super important part of the Jonestown story. A lot of people viewed it as a a mass suicide when it is in actuality i would say a mass murder it is it was reported as a mass suicide like that that's yes. the way the news handled it yes uh, back when it happened like it, but it was Paige. you're absolutely right and if you hear those tapes you you know it is there's no doubt that it is mass murder yes dude those those tapes are probably the scariest thing i've ever listened to yes now Walter Hill and Keith Carradine would go on to work on a number of other things, namely Deadwood in 2004. Fuck, uh, yeah, he's he's not in Deadwood a lot, but he plays a very important character in the first season. Yeah. Now, 
Walter Hill's conversations about this movie and the point of this movie are very interesting. We've talked about a couple of them already. Um, he acknowledges that it is the fault of our main characters for getting into the group, but he views it more as, um, he uses the, the phrase, individuals who are not as highly evolved as others. So he views this as there are some of the men who are smarter, some are have more empathy, some have different innate characteristics that make them respond differently. So he views this as a almost like a bottle episode of like, how do all these different people interact with each other? I think using the phrase evolved differently is problematic. Yeah. Um, I think that's a poor choice of words because what he does come around to saying in this interview is none of us are quite as good or as bad as we construct us and each other to be. And I think that is actually a very valid and interesting way to look at this movie of just like who's good, who's bad yeah. from whose point of view. And I think he gets bogged down in the weird where he's like the brute level of their response. And I'm like, dude, like all you had to say was we face facing and it's fine anyway. <laughs> so the co-screenwriter and director first and that is Walter Hill, by the way. OK, uh, he first wrote this script for the movie in 1976 uh, about Ooh. five years before. Yeah. Interesting. But I also, and clearly, because we kind of talked about this with the tagline for this movie, people misunderstood this movie at the time. Very much so. In part because a number of other movies in the 80s come out with Cajuns as the villains. Yeah. Like, after this movie. I, I, again, completely misunderstanding what happens in this movie and, you know, what this is about. It's so strange to yeah. me. But people have also called this movie a collective hero movie with nine people acting as one. And I'm like, they're not the heroes. Wait, what? Really? What? No. Yes. No, 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 no. People have such wildly different wow, interpretations okay. of art. It's great. Yeah. No, also, Walter Hill also worked on The Warriors, another movie with strange allegiances and multiple groups working together. Yes. The Warriors is a wild movie, it's though. It's a wild movie. I love The Warriors. Now, 20th Century Fox actually hired a writer to do an in-between draft that Walter Hill then rewrote. That's why he's credited as a co-writer. Ah, uh, But they okay. also acquired the original source material. Anyway. Okay. So the title font and promotional design of the logo for the movie had to be changed so that it was different than the Southern Comfort Liquor brand design logo. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting they even went with that name yes. because Southern Comfort was a thing. You know, it was a thing at the time. Yes. So it's it's interesting they, they even went with that name. Although I think trademark wise, you're allowed to because one's a liquor and one's a movie. You yes. Know? Yes, exactly. The public won't confuse the two. But like still, right. I, th I think it's wild they decided to do that. Yeah, well, Southern Comfort is a phrase. You sure, know, like yeah. That's why the liquor's named that way. And so I think they, they were drawing on a collective understanding of that phrase. Same. But anyway, those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for Southern Comfort in 1981? Not much. I'm going to say five. Yeah, privately funded. I'm going to say 81. I'm going to actually say one million. Okay. It was actually seven point six million dollars which i buy because of where they are i buy that because it would be so difficult to shoot this movie where they are and some of these people are decently big names at yes, the time right? i do think yeah. they have a yeah. decent decent cast yeah absolutely but if you convert that to today's dollars that is 25.4 million dollars today now this movie was released on september 25th 1981 
This movie was 16th that weekend out of 18 movies that were in theaters at the time. Now, I will say this. It was only in 17 theaters, so it didn't get a nationwide release. But to give you some perspective on on what movies were out at the time, and again, that is their release week of September 25th, 1981, Mommy Dearest was number one. Number two was Only When I Laugh. Number three was So Fine. Number four was Arthur. And number five was Body Heat. But also on the list was like Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, An American Werewolf in London that we've done. So it a lot of big movies came out this year. Chariots of Fire. Anyway, so Southern Comfort was 16th. What do you think it made that weekend? And again, it was only in 17 theaters. $200,000. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? 500000 Page is closer. It was $116,900. Um, the next week, it was only in 15 theaters and didn't do quite as well. Um, but it eventually did get put into more theaters. In fact, the last week it was in theaters was November 6th of 90 or of 81 and it was in 450 theaters and actually made the most money in its last week in theaters. Hmm. So it's it had a very weird release. I think whoever released this movie either didn't have the connections they thought they had to get in a nationwide release or just simply couldn't afford to do a nationwide release, but it just didn't catch like they wanted it to, I think. But what do you think it made domestically at the box office in 81? 81, I'm going to say 900,000. Okay. Let's say 2 million. Mikey, you're closer, although it was almost 3 million. It was... $2.9 million in the domestic box office, which if you if you adjust for inflation would be $9.8 million today. But as we mentioned before, the budget was $7.9 million. So this definitely did not make money at all, unfortunately. Uh, because I do think it, it is, I mean, if you're comparing this to Deliverance, I think I prefer this to Deliverance. I still prefer Deliverance. I think it's shot more interestingly and it has the same pacing problem. It does, yeah. I think Deliverance is just a prettier location. I think it, this, yeah. I think, has a slightly better story. But Paige, I think for the reasons you're saying you like Deliverance, like, I get why you like it better. Like, I, I it's just a matter of opinion, really. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. I like I like the allegorical parts of this movie. Me too. But if that truly was not the intention. I know, and, and that's that not what the movie Heart, about man. like that ruins it for I me. refuse that I, I I mean like even the reviews at the time because I like was googling reviews are like this is an allegory for the guy who made it says it's not it's oh, just too it's too surface level I, I, it's yeah, just but, too surface yeah. level for them not to you can't accidentally make one that black and white Allegory. I mean, you can. Like, I think this guy did. <laughs> like, I don't, that, I don't think that, so. him being like, no, this isn't about that makes me think that a lot of the things that I w- I gave it credit for didn't deserve that credit. And so, yeah. Do you have that quote? Will you read his quote again about that? There's multiple. He has multiple quotes. It's not just one. Okay. It is multiple interviews where he's like, it's not this. Okay. Disagree with you, guy who created this movie. So, like, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it does sort of break my heart that he doesn't understand the message he is clearly I think showing although that does bring me to another little I'm going to say a little caveat fun fact because I stumbled across this while I was looking for budget because with older movies sometimes I have to dig a little bit deeper and I come across some interesting stuff so because of Iranian censorship at the time they changed the story and the title of this movie but released it in Iran uh, and it was not until the late 1980s this was released in Iran under the name Operation Lagoon <laughs> <laughs> that actually works really well. <laughs> I know, right? The film was shortened to 95 minutes, which I think might have fixed a lot of the problems 
that we yeah, had probably. with it. Uh, and the story was changed. So in the Iranian version, a group of U.S. military soldiers who were like sort of being punished for opposing the uh, Vietnam War were sent on a mission amongst manhunters. So the Cajun mm. people aren't Cajun necessarily. Oh. They're like manhunters. It's like the most dangerous game. Yes. Like that's completely different. Yes. <laughs> I think they don't know at the time they were only given blanks. So they think they're going with, you know, to fight these manhunters, but they were given blanks. And the soldiers are killed by the manhunters. Uh, one after another as planned by the U.S. So it's like the U.S. sent them to do this to kill these people for being opposed to the Vietnam War. And at the end, when Powers Booth and Keith Carradine are like walking out, I think that's like one of the reasons they use that shot at the end and it slows down and just shows the truck. But over that pause, you hear like something that indicates those two were killed. You don't see it on screen, but it yeah. it does come off that they don't survive the movie. And the film was a huge hit among an Iranian audience. Interesting. So it was purchased for distribution by a TV company. So I'm assuming it actually hit their TV, not theaters. So I, and I don't have any like box office information for the Iranian release, but I thought it was interesting enough to mention. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, but that is your box office information. So Mikey, do you want to hit us with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale listeners, a scale of one to ten of how scary we found the film we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. This is a one. Todd. Yeah, it's a one for me as well. One for me as well. And that's our scary scale. Yeah. All right, so this week, you made us watch Mikey, Southern Comfort. So what are we doing next week? Let's get back to basics here. Okay. Paige and I have discussed this. We want to do this third Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I want to get to the new one. I can't believe they made three of these. They've so many of these. Way more than three. And this one is Leatherface colon the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Wait, really? When did this come out? Hang on, hang on. 1990. Oh, okay. So this is like out of the 70s and early 80s then. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're not going to get as much chainsaw dancing, but yeah. you know. We're going to have to go through a few bad ones to get back to the good ones. In my opinion, the only bad one is the first one. Yeah, because <sighs> 2 is a classic. 2, two is, is amazing. We have to get through some of the like direct-to-video sequels so we can go back to like Jessica Biel's remake, and then we can go to the one that came out like last year. Oh, shit. I'm actually just reading up on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and it was initially given an X rating. So, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it's only one hour and 26 minutes long. (laughs) So your homework for next week is to try and find out why Leatherface should have had an X rating and uh, enjoy our episode on it. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Oh, you know, I actually forgot that part. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast. And that's to leave us a five star text review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? I'm going to say... A. Jacqueline. All right. What does A. Jacqueline have to say? They say role playing for the win. Uh, love so much about this team and their community from Todd's fearful starting point for the show to Paige's research and recaps to the tongue tangled character Mikey likes to play. <laughs> tongue tangled is accurate and you are not playing a character. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, this is very accurate. <laughs> they are so good together. For example. Oh no. In the burning episode, one of my favorite episodes. Oh. Personally, Mikey talking. The one where that guy's nut came out. Yeah. (laughs) The team discusses 
the similarities and the differences between the Mad Men, uh, also released in 81. Mikey's Patron. Hang on, is this a review or a dissertation about our podcast? Shut up, Todd. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, Jacqueline, I'm sorry. I apologize. Mikey's portrayal of the teenage lethargy, L-E-C-H-E-R-Y. Lechery. Lechery. And stupidity, what are condoms, quote unquote, spell out the <laughs> cultural zeitgeist of the time period. Oh, yeah, that was definitely Mikey being ironic and not Mikey really asking the question, what are condoms? <laughs> it was the year of Friday the 13th, produced by Merrimax. This podcast proves we can still love trashy movies, even if terrible people or situations contributed to them. Thank you, Horror Virgin, five stars. Well, thank you, A. Jacqueline, for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. I also want to start doing something that we'll start with this episode, and that is you can now leave comments on Spotify under our episodes. So I'm going to read one that came up on The Mist, and that would be from Lindsay, who said, I would pay a lot of money for a horror-themed Scott Stepp cover album which i found <laughs> very funny because Paige and i sing a parody to hire about having crab rangoon Can you armor make me frightened <laughs> anyway. uh, Lindsay, thank you so much i also want a scott stabbed horror cover album so if you want to have me read one of your uh, spotify comments leave us a spotify comment and a five-star rating while you're there so, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including Tim. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been, like, driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She makes allegories for Vietnam and then, like, acts like they're not. Oh, my (laughs) God. That would drive me crazy as well, Tia. Tell your teenager to stop trying to 
lie about what they created. Anyway, this episode also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos. So I'm going to steal your screens and make you watch this video he just sent me. This is a 10-year-old playing Enter Sandman with the Foo Fighters live in concert. It's actually pretty oh, dope. Oh, shit. But, like, he he's actually playing guitar, and, like... He's actually, like, walking around on stage. Like, he's doing good crowd work, too. Like, for a 10-year-old, you know? When I saw when I saw Green Day Live, they pull people out of the audience. Yeah. And have them play with the band, and then they give them the guitar at the end. It's fucking rad. That is amazing. I would, lo- I would lose my mind if Trey Cool pulled me up on stage and I got to play When I Come Around with Green Day. Or, like, uh, play with the Foo Fighters. If I got to play Generator with the Foo Fighters, I'd lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Well, and, and they, they pull them up and, like, ask them what they can play, yeah. too. So, like, they kind of get to choose a little bit, which is wild. I do love that, like, aging rockers and punk musicians are becoming more like live karaoke bands as they get older. <laughs> Here for it. That's awesome. But, Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing that video with us, and thank you so much for the support. We now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. Okay, we've established a new kingdom in the fairy tale kingdom world. We have. Do you know the name of said kingdom? This is not a test, Mikey. I actually don't think you made one up. Okay, yeah. All right. Let's do it now. Yeah. Libby, Queen Libby of the fairy, the fairy kingdom. Is that what it's going to be? The fairy kingdom? I got, it's got to be easy to remember. That is true. You are notoriously unable to remember things. The fairy tale kingdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm the queen now. Who's going to like be my peeps? And then uh, Isaac <laughs> in his black knight armor was like, I will be, I will be one of your black knights, but I want to eat some of these fairy creatures. I don't know if you're allowed to eat fairy creatures in Fairlandia. And she's like, done. You're one of my knights now. Okay. All right. I do love how she was just like, okay, I was a queen on the moon, so I'm definitely a queen here. Everyone has to like bow to my authority. (laughs) And everyone's (laughs) just like, you know what? That's fair. Yeah. She has the most experience in queening. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Karun and Natasha were like, we would like one of the towers on the castle to live in. Uh, and we will be party. We'll help you run the place or nice. whatever. And they're like done. And they're like cool. And then like, do you think there's blue fairy creatures? And she's like, we'll look for them. <laughs> Why specifically blue, Mikey? Because Natasha and Karuna are blue aliens. Exactly. That you do you. No, I was I was saying that so the listeners could get that context, Mikey. Oh, okay, I got you. It's called being a producer. I don't really feel like we need to overproduce this segment. Just start throwing in sound effects if you're going to go all the way with this. Mikey, I do that. I know, I know you don't listen, but I do that. On Patreonicals? Oh, no. That's what I'm talking I'm talking just Patreonicals. Mikey, yeah. full disclosure, the only thing I do in the Patreonicals is close up your gaps when you're, like, thinking of the thing to say. Like, I just close that up. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. well, Kate's also, like, I'll, I'll use my psychic powers here. Like, the... Nice. The, there's dragons and scary shit out there. Let's all just stick together and try to survive this. Uh, Dreskel in his Iron Man suit is like, fine, let's do that. And then um, Wes, Prince Charming. Ooh. Now, he's like, hello. He's like, talks really cocky. And he talks to Aaron, who's the good witch. And she's he's like, Galinda, yeah. What about, uh, I need a princess out there. And she's like, there is one. Vex and Avery. She's asleep. She is asleep in a tower what? out there being guarded by bad evil creatures and we have to get her and he's like whoa i don't know about that so <laughs> they may have a thing boezy and Allie 
just fucking in the moat. You know, they're just she's wow. full mermaid in the moat. They're like he's Florida manning it. She reminds him of a manatee. Wait, wait, wait. Are they fucking in the moat or are they fucking in the moat? Both. Okay. Jeremy with his laser eyes is like, I want to be a knight or whatever because I can shoot lasers. And um, Queen's like, yeah, of course, you're in. We're never letting you out of my sight again. Lauren, the cave person's like, I could be a, the th- fourth knight, I think, is the number of knights we are on here. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Mr. Ragemont, what do you think? And he's like, I just want to shoot fireworks above the castle like Disney World every night and day. Love that for him. And they're like, you're in. Come on. Yeah. Sunzi, the Tin Man. They're like, Sunzi, go out there and, and look for the Vixen person. And come back and tell us where it is. You're expendable. No one likes the Tin Man. Go do it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> River Moon the Mitch is with the witch, the bad witch. She's like, I'm going to go with Sunzi the Tin Man and uh, <laughs> definitely not do evil things. Oh, I want to do evil things with you. Mm-hmm. Madeline, the jester of court, she goes to Jay's pack and pulls out puppets and starts doing a puppet show and everybody hates it. <laughs> you know, because it's realistic. Mm-hmm. James Airy, he's like the white knight. He's got the shining, he's on the white horse. He pulls his sword, Sex Excalibur. Heck yeah. And it says, we're here to be the best knights. And they're like, all right. Okay, well, we know that this vixen lady is a maiden in distress. And if you guys want to go out there, it's crazy out there. Like, it's a fairy tale world. Everything's really bad in the fairy tales. Right. And yeah. And uh, But some of you got to stay here to guard this castle because we got to keep it up and be safe. And they're like, so they're like, okay, we're going to figure that out next episode. And all so right. like, then the episode is, yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll have to wait to find out what happens next week on another episode of uh, The Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. Keep it ookie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye! Stuck in the Bayou Nerds!